ready? Are you prepared to be scared? I'm prepped. We're about to put the monster in Monstover. And it's gonna get spooky. Now! The following film contains some scenes that may be frightening for some viewers. Watch out for boos and bangs and oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming moments. Because they're in there. Parental guidance is recommended. with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Sometimes they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Carly Beth. And this week on Cinemodities, we have to start with a disclaimer for the second time in our history. Zach, would you like to say the disclaimer this year? Do you, do you know the disclaimer? Listener beware, you're in for a scare. Oh yes, it is the annual Goosebumps episode. The first episode of the Monstober series that does not get released in Monstober. That's the, the portion that Goosebumps gets relegated to in terms of Zach's <laughs> Monstober. <laughs> I want to say that because I am slowly, slowly getting comfortable with the idea of adding goosebumps to monstober is that monstober <laughs> is less of a time of year and it's more of a state of mind yes absolutely absolutely i think you said the same thing last year <laughs> <laughs> but i uh, i'm totally on board i'm glad that uh zach has given us the opportunity to watch some more goosebumps and just as we did last year we're discussing three episodes Two of them are the half-an-hour spots. One of them is a double feature, so a 40-minute episode. And before we get into them, I don't know if Zach went back and listened to our Goosebumps episode from last year, but there was an update I said we were going to have. And if Zach and the audience don't remember, the update I said we were going to have was that by this time, Zach would have taken hallucinogenics and watched Goosebumps. <laughs> so I made that promise to the audience. <laughs> oh, God. How did that go, Zach? <laughs> I did listen to last year's episode, all like 100, oh, God, 150 minutes of it. And, folks, I want to say that if you listen to our podcast, like, one and a half times normal speed, it actually still makes sense somehow. Or it makes <laughs> it makes no less sense than it usually does is maybe the correct way of phrasing it. Perfect. Uh, but I do remember Rob saying that. And, unfortunately, I forgot my uh, magic mushrooms at home. Oh, okay, okay. So, next year? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I guess to kick it off, I will say which three episodes we're discussing. We are going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 18, Say Cheese and Die Again. Not surprisingly, the sequel to what we covered last year, Say Cheese and Die. We will also be discussing the first episode of Season 3, A Shocker on Shock Street. And then the pilot episode of Goosebumps, The Haunted Mask. Well, I don't know if you had any ideas, Zach, how you wanted to go through it, if you had any introductory stuff. But I was figuring we could start off with Say Cheese and Die Again. 
because it's our first true sequel. We've been waiting a year to get this second <laughs> half of the story, right? <laughs> All right. I um sure, Rob. But I have to ask because out of these three episodes, it falls it's very similar to what happened last year on the Goosebumps episode. Whereas I absolutely loved one, had no feelings about one of them, and the third well, the third of the three, in the sense of just out of the three allotment, I absolutely hated. Yeah. So I have to ask before we get into these, what made you pick these three episodes? Because in last year's episodes, you said the Haunted Mask episode was an episode you didn't particularly like. Uh, yes, and that's still true. It's probably one of my least favorite episodes of Goosebumps. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, that's not to say that I don't think there is some uh, enjoyability to be gained from it. I have to say that rewatching it for this recording, I, uh, I enjoyed it a little more than I think I ever have. But I, I picked The Haunted Mask for exactly that reason, because it's one of the ones that I don't enjoy as much. Also, because the, whenever I talk to Goosebumps about, um, I mention it, you know, maybe when it gets around the Monstober time of the year, I'll tell people, oh, that's what I'm watching a lot of. This is the one that people will always remember for some reason, The Haunted Mask. I mean, I get it that it was the, the pilot episode, so it might have the most staying power, the, the first on the list. Um, but other than The Haunted Mask, I picked Say Cheese and Die again because we needed to get the sequel to our Ryan Gosling episode from last year. And then I actually picked a shocker on Shock Street because someone else that I was um, hanging out with maybe a few months ago, they saw that I had goosebumps on my TV and they really wanted to watch this episode. And we had a grand old time watching it for a few reasons, but most specifically one scene. So I figured that one kind of took the cake because I really wanted to get the monster blood episodes in here, but that would have been basically the whole episode if we covered all of them. Still no trilogy. Oh, oh no. I don't think we're ever going <laughs> to. I guess I should also say that we're keeping the tradition alive in that every episode of Goosebumps we are discussing on this podcast is from the original series of Goosebumps books. Of course, Chilogy is the one that not, is not based on any of the books, but we aren't even doing any of the tales from Goosebumps, the Goosebumps Presents, the Ultimate Goosebumps, none of those, just the original series. I'm there's a purist. An there's an Ultimate Goosebumps? <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's quite a few versions of Goosebumps. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no oh no i mean there's there's tales to give you goosebumps even more tales to give you goosebumps <laughs> still more tales to give you goosebumps i'm serious i'm not even making these names up these actually exist <laughs> oh no oh no so all right oh, Rob, I, goosebumps 2000 how could how could i forget about that <laughs> how, how could you <laughs> All right, Rob, because this is your baby, I'm going to let you decide whatever, whatever order to go in that you think is best. All right, I think we should start with, since last year started with Say Cheese and Die, we will begin this year kicking off Monstover Hardcore with Say Cheese and Die again. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess, Zach, since you had, you know, kind of one at each major point of the spectrum, the hate, the love, and the indifferent. Is this the indifferent one? Yes. Okay, okay. So I guess the first question, since I already mentioned it, if you don't recall, the original Say Cheese and Die has young Ryan Gosling in the lead role of Greg Banks. Yeah, that's he my does, boyfriend. He does a great job. We loved him in that episode. I think that's what changed Zach's entire opinion about Goosebumps. <laughs> but doesn't it kind of suck that we got like cheap knockoff Ryan Gosling in this episode because they couldn't get him back two seasons oh. later? 
I kept referring to him while I was watching as Discount Ryan Gosling. Yes. <laughs> or really, off-brand Ryan Gosling. They're really trying to make him look just like he did in the first episode. <laughs> oh, boy, do that. But it's, it's, it doesn't hit the mark in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> That's a weird thing I realized with Goosebumps is like when they would do follow-up episodes, they tried to get back as many of the original actors as they could. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they had like mixed success with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this one, I, I think they had not so much success with. <laughs> yeah, because the girl, his little girlfriend, is the same actress, right? I think she's one of the only ones that carries over. Because I think uh, even I think the mother's different. And I think the brother's different also. No spider. And no no spider. Um, the friend, the baseball playing friend, Bird, he's gone. So, you know, it's it's very t- uh, torn down. And I guess that's kind of, you know, one of the things I have to say about this is that I really loved, I mentioned it last year, Say Cheese and Die and the sequel. Those are probably like my two, some of my, in top five, probably my favorite Goosebumps books. And they they did a good job with the first one. I really enjoyed that. You know, see last year's episode. This one is just, uh, it's so watered down and it's so lame and, and none of it works really. It's it's a big kind of you know disappointment. I would say. Yeah. This well, no, I don't want to say disappointment because it does exactly what you expect a Goosebumps follow up to do. It's like <laughs> it's like where do you go? Because again, I, I I've not watched any Goosebumps. Or I guess I did not rewatch any of the stuff. I know in last year's episode, I asked Rob for all these different episodes. I did not watch any of it. <laughs> As I'm listening to it say, I'm like, wow, I really did not follow up on any of this. Um. <laughs> But, like, again, the Ryan Gosling thing, I know my biggest complaint was that we have, like, Spider, and he's just a guy with, like, steampunk goggles, and it's like, mm-hmm. why is he scary? He's just a guy, like, he's all, like, I think, I think you described him as what? Like, a crackhead living in a crack <laughs> den? Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And in this, like, we've stripped away the one layer that could be even slightly considered scary. Yeah. And that's why I kind of looked at this as, like, oh, we're rehashing the exact same plot again. With the same characters, yep. and there's there's even less stakes than there were the first time. Yeah, they rely on the camera to be the the source of the terror and, you know, the source of, I guess, motivation for the episode. And it doesn't really work. Like, it, it's better, like you said, with that person, Spider, who's kind of, you know, that lurking, you know, force in the background, I guess. And, and this one, it's really, I guess we should say that this story takes, I believe... Uh, takes place a year after the first one, and it's basically after the kids' last summer vacation when they have to come back to school. Greg has to do a report on you know what happened to you during the summer, and he wants to write about this evil camera, and his teacher doesn't believe him, so he has to go back and get the evil camera to prove to his teacher that it exists, so he doesn't get an F type of thing. And we get a great line when he goes back to the the abandoned building where the camera is supposed to be. And the whole building's just gone. <laughs> like, it's been demolished. And he, he, like, his voiceover says, oh, man, the building's gone. They blew it up. Now I'm going to fail. And it's just so flat and so terrible. Say cheese, say cheese. Oh, man, the building's gone. They blew it up. Now I'm going to fail. But, of course, for some reason, he can get into the underground area of this building by climbing through a hole, but at the same time, a security guard can get through there by not climbing through the hole. Who's just, uh, who knows, <laughs> but he get he gets the camera. He shows it to his friend. They take pictures of each other. Like the plot demands it. And they <laughs> don't even try to destroy the pictures. If you remember, that was the solution to, 
to what they did last time. They had to rip up the picture and it would undo it. They don't even attempt that in this one. They're just like, let's take more pictures of each other. So it's just a mess through and through. (laughs) (laughs) This is a narrative mess in the Goosebumps adaptation. No, okay, this one I was kind of really kind of indifferent toward, just because I feel like, again, Ryan Gosling was the fun part of that episode, because at least for a newcomer to this, where you don't have that nostalgia baked into it. And I guess we should say that if if you're listening to this episode for the first time, or you're listening to us talk about Goosebumps, and you want us to have our legendary context on it, go listen to the episode from 2018, from uh, a year ago, because that's where we got, like, we spent the first, like, what, like, half an hour talking about, like, where we came from on Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Ryan Gosling things were kind of like the anchor for me. And even though it's funny watching not Ryan Gosling go around do his best, like not Ryan Gosling impersonation. <laughs> it's the thing too that like, oh, he gets to like where Spider's lair was. And I remember even you saying last year that like, oh, Spider gets like brought back, like he gets resurrected in the last like final moments from the bullies. Yep. And it's like, oh, we completely abandoned that. Oh, hundred percent. And then the second thing is. His layers, like, oh, his layers, like, they blew up the building. And I was wondering, could they not get access to the same, like, location from the previous year? Or was the building actually demolished? (laughs) That's a good question. I don't know. And I was wondering that. I'm like, well, if the building was demolished, just go find another building. Because they (laughs) do eventually, like, build a set. That's like meant to look like Spider's lair. So why can't you just have him go to a building, walk in, and it's Spider's lair? Like, it's such a weird, like, plot thread to have the building not be there. Like, it doesn't serve any purpose. Yeah, I I agree. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Unless they couldn't find, unless whoever, maybe that other building was like a warehouse and it was being rented out like two years later. And they couldn't get it though, but still, you can always say like, "Oh, this looks so different from how I remember it." Just throw a line of dialogue in there and be like, "We can shoot any building." Or they mm-hmm. maybe they're just maybe they're just so cheap they didn't want to rent like like pay like I guess oh god what was it pull permits to like shoot like outside? I don't they do it anyway, so I don't know what the problem would have been. So again, that just kind of like not that it bugged me, but it was like peculiar. I'm like, what is going on here? And then when they get to the actual part where like they start taking pictures of each other, and I have to say, I am thrilled that that the giant like toaster camera comes back. Like that's the one <laughs> like come on. If you can't get Ryan Gosling, at least you can get the toaster camera. Yeah, I do uh, yeah, that is a good point that it's the same camera prop or you know, it looks the same at least. From the first episode, which I will reiterate, in the book, it doesn't look like a weird camera. It looks like a regular camera. But I have to, I'm with you, Zach. I'm glad they stayed consistent with that nonsense. Yes. <laughs> Makes you wonder, clear, that has to be the same prop, right? Like somebody had to have kept that and they like dug it out of storage for this episode because it, look, it looks practically identical to the first one. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I know that, um, uh, Goosebumps definitely has had uh, some track record with keeping their props, you know, especially for the bigger ones where, uh, like Night of Living Dummy, I think there's four of those episodes, and they keep the same slappy prop, I think, for the first three until they have to revamp it for the story purposes. So I could totally see them, you know, having a good handle on their prop room throughout these four seasons, for sure. That's going to come up with uh, Shocker on Shock Street as well, where they reuse masks. Oh, uh, okay. Because I was wondering, like, that camera still has to be around somewhere right like that has to be in someone's like basement or curio you mean in our restaurant right (laughs) (laughs) well that's where it has to eventually end up that's going to be its home forever yeah but 
But it has to, somebody must have kept that, right? Because it's, yeah, yeah. it's too interesting of a prop. Definitely. You know, I, I could totally see um, someone keeping that, you know, somewhere. And if it's not on there uh, in a display case, it's somewhere in their attic for their children to find years from now. And it's be like, you know, sale. yeah, exactly. Be like, what is this? And be like, oh, we have no clue. <laughs> someone goes on Antiques Roadshow and is like, I brought this what looks like a toaster, but it takes pictures. That's exactly why I go to yard sales to find weird stuff like that. <laughs> find goosebumps props. One day I will find a goosebumps prop. Yep. <laughs> it's turned into just collecting road signs, but one day there'll be a goosebumps prop in there. That's why Rob uh, lived in Canada for a few months. He was hoping to find that yard sale where they filmed all this. <laughs> yeah. It was all an elaborate cover to find goosebumps props. Bum, bum, uh, bum. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this episode like pretty much plays out exactly as you would imagine it would. Uh, it's textbook goosebumps. And oh, I mean yeah. that I mean that in the worst way possible. <laughs> in that, like, oh, it's everything I don't like about goosebumps or why it like never resonated with me. It's like, oh, like bratty dumb kid makes dumb decision. Halfway through, learns that his dumb decision will result in bad things happening to him. Yeah. Next five minutes is him learning how to like correct his mistake. All's well that ends well, and then weird little like mis- mysterious flourish that punctuates like the, the episode. The end. Cue credits. Bump, 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 bump. And it's like, <laughs> god damn it! It's like, good lord! Like this is so so bland. It's so it's painfully bland. Yeah, I I have to agree. You know, it's uh, it's almost a complete 180. I would say it is a complete 180. Whereas the first Say Cheese and Die, I love. I think they do a great adaptation of the book um, as far as, you know, 20 minutes of a kid's show can go. But this is just, they don't do it. Like, uh, this stood out to me as one of my favorite books because this one's definitely a little more gruesome than the first one. Like, something they change for the TV show is when that security guard shows up at the warehouse when not Ryan Gosling, goes to first take the camera back. In the in the TV show, he just, like, the picture gets taken of him and he falls down the stairs. And it's like, okay, you know, that slows him down. But in the book, there's a whole thing where he, like, gets nails through his feet and he, like, steps on this board and it's it's a lot more gruesome. And I that always stood out to me. The book also takes place over, I think, a week and a half. So uh, not Ryan, or Greg and Sherry are gaining and losing weight, respectively, at a much slower pace than they are in the TV show. And there's a whole kind of like that first three or four days where they're both like, no, the camera's broken. And they actually think there's something wrong with the camera because it's printing out negatives. And there's this psychological aspect of it where they're like, oh, I'm just eating too much and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, we wasted time. Now we have to get on this camera thing. And the book's the book plays it really, really well. And the TV show is just like, yeah, let's cram it to 19 minutes. It all happens in one day. He's going to get so fat, he's going to explode, and she's going to get so skinny, she disappears, until the brother who just happens to work at a Photoshop can <laughs> reverse polarize images. And it's like, I I Googled it, because he's like, can you take this photo and make it a negative? And I'm like, can you make negatives in a dark room? Is that even <laughs> yeah, possible? <I> yeah. <laughs> And it's it's it was just it they did not do it justice and it's a bummer you know especially because the original was season one this is season three where'd that quality go man <laughs> yeah that's kind of those things like I've realized when it comes to goosebumps like there is that drop off it makes you wonder because clearly they were making they were getting more money I would imagine their budgets were increasing mm-hmm. but 
I don't the know. Whole, the whole fourth season, which is also the last, is just double feature episodes. So I'm with you. They must have been like you know trying to cram stuff together, but. Yeah, I don't know. Goose, Go- I don't know enough about Goosebumps to really, because again, this was a, a, a Canadian production, and who knows, like how they were getting their funding. Again, in, by that time, again, I don't know my Goosebumps history. Maybe from 2020's Goosebumps discussion, I'll look more into the history of Goosebumps. <laughs> so, uh, so next year you're going to have done hallucinogenics and watched Goosebumps, and also researched Goosebumps. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah, good. it's, it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> uh, because yeah, because even like you said, with the whole thing, when they go into like the camera shop, which is a funny, like really antiquated notion in today's day and world. A camera shop, yeah. hardy har har har. And it's like, it's like whatever the brother's name is. They're like, hurry, hurry. And it's like, dude, this is like a set amount of time. There's no hurrying. The picture <laughs> yeah. has to sit. It's like, there's no hurrying. It's not like, like you can turn the flame up higher and it'll cook faster. It doesn't work that way. It's I was like really a- hoping that when they were screaming hurry, one of them was going to like bust into the dark room to scream hurry. And it was going to ruin the photo making process. Well, that at least would have been clever. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was, I've had my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, because even like the whole thing with like he's getting bigger and bigger, and I think it's funny how they have to kind of like they didn't know how to make him like they. Didn't, I guess that's the thing though. Is they, I'm thinking maybe they didn't. They were starting to run out of money, or their budgets were being trimmed, because like the thing with him getting like bigger and bigger, you only see it from like the neck up, mm-hmm. and then like everything else we see of him like getting bigger, it's like oh. When it's not him, it's from the neck down, so you don't know if it's the actor. It's just somebody wearing this either pads or it is someone that big in real life. Yeah, close-ups on stomachs with shirts getting pulled up over them to make it look like it's growing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then even her, like, she, like, they didn't try, and obviously you can't have a a teenage actress. You can't, like, tell her to be, like, emaciated. So (laughs) they just try, but just kind of, like, put her, what, in pale makeup. And she's just kind of like, like, this acts lethargic. And it's like, good lord, Goosebumps. Like, you're not even trying anymore. Oh, you're yeah. You're not I'm, even trying. I'm so glad you bring this up because I we had to mention it. I want to get the clip in. It's one of the scenes in this that makes me laugh every time I see it. It's when Sherry comes over to Greg's house and it's the first reveal that she's getting skinnier and wasting away. And they're talking to each other. And in the middle of a sentence, she, like, groans and goes, oh, no, I'm getting skinnier. And she's like, ah, and, like, just drops a jacket. Like, literally, you see her shoulders move and she drops a jacket and it's the stupidest thing. And uh, the sound effect, the shot, it's it's terrible. We'll get the clip in here. It's just... Uh-oh, I'm getting that feeling. Oh, I think you just lost another pound. It's it's classic season three goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you can again whether again whether their budgets got cut or just people the producers just didn't care anymore. Uh, it was a combination of something because oh, it just yeah. the, the the spirit wasn't there in it, and maybe too like, a lot of these things too that people work on it for a couple of years and they probably different showrunners. You know, it's more of a modern term that people do move on. It's also with a lot of things too. The more successful something gets, the more fingers you you get into the pie. Mm-hmm. The more cooks in the kitchen, and that could be it too. Again, get successful. Everybody want gets the get one gets their piece of it. So you get kind of just like a mess that tastes like nothing. Yeah, not even good cheese. No, no. <laughs> or chocolate pretzel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I have to also mention about this episode something else that just makes me laugh every time. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's every single scene transition in this episode. We get to hear somebody, I'm assuming it's supposed to be Spider in the context of the narrative, 
but it's never stated that way. But every scene transition, we get to hear somebody whisper, say cheese. And it's, it's <laughs> so bad, it's comical, I think. Because it'll be something where, you know, Greg will go to bed one night and he'll be like, oh, the camera's broken, I'm going to be fine. And he lays down and it fades to black. And as it fades to black and, you know, the, the morning comes and it's fading in, we hear, say cheese. Even at the end, <laughs> even at the end when, like, the, the dude, the teacher takes the picture of it and his hair starts falling out, it's like, say cheese. And I'm like, this is, like, they went overboard on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to point it out to that much like last year, Rob gave me maybe the worst copies of these things ever. Say cheese. This is all I this is all I have, Zach. These are just the copies. Say cheese. Rob, there's like like I did some research on another one of the episodes, and what I was seeing on YouTube, these things have been like I know last year I'm like, oh, I don't think Goosebumps got an HD remaster. It did get an HD remaster, at least some of the some of them did, because some of them look immaculate now. We're like, oh, I'm like, I didn't even know that color was in them. Like I, that thing was that color. <laughs> now I'm looking at this, and it's like watching it through like a dirty tin can. Rob, will you please invest in the time and effort to find better quality versions of Goosebumps? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say no because literally no. one of my one of my notes later no. on, I'm reading verbatim, my note says, "I love the absolutely terrible quality of the version I have of this episode. This is what Goosebumps should look like." No. Is yes. This well, is... some of it. Some of Goosebumps. Like, yes. <laughs> Say cheese and die again deserves to look like crap because it's crap in the first place. But there's another segment that we're going to talk about tonight that deserves like full like 1080p HD quality. It, no. We deserve to see everything in the frame. I think in the version I have of Carly Beth, there's too many pixels. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What a shame, folks. What a shame. Um, but yeah, this horrible quality again. I kept thinking, oh, maybe this is all that's out there. That was a lie, folks. There is much better quality. He's he's like the old, he's like the person with like the TV from the 1960s being like, the quality's great. All like four by three aspect ratio, and like I can oh, see yeah. the dots on the screen. Just for goosebumps, yep. <laughs> oh, yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it's funny, because I remember because there's one point when we'll get to uh the, the haunted mask episode is it reminded me of the um tales from the dark side episode we did last year with the like the the miser and he has like his little shop is like like i don't know general store shop and i'm like oh yeah this kind of looks like that in the sense of like how grainy it looks and mm-hmm. i realized like nobody has given tales from the dark side any effort since it's been released <laughs> all they've done was just poured it over from like copy to copy and like you get a certain level of just like Degrading of quality. Goosebumps is on like Netflix in 1080p. And Rob's oh, yeah. like, yeah, F that. It looks terrible on Netflix. <laughs> I already said I'm a purist. <laughs> You're a purist in the worst way possible. Oh, yeah. I, I want those original VHS rips. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> good lord. Let's go track down VHS copy. Somebody like has like in their like closet somewhere, like where their uncle just died. Dude, that's what I'm saying. That's why I go to yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> that in the cl- in the camera. That in the toaster camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, good lord! But yeah, uh, say cheese and die And Even like how it ends, it ends like exactly how you'd expect it. And it's like, oh, the teacher gets his comeuppance. He gets his just desserts. He's losing his hair. And it's like, kill me. It's like, <laughs> like can the camera kill me? Like, please let me have the camera. 
please just rapid fire like sport shot you know me with that camera I just get like a hundred pictures in two seconds <laughs> i'm wondering like can i dangle like can i take a bath and have the camera and like drop it will it electrocute me and kill me <laughs> nice Oh dear, yes. I I was I, indifferent toward that borderline. Like I did not like this. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Say cheese and die again. Um, but we've completed it. They let it down uh, in the <laughs> TV show episode, but we've also completed the series in the original books. No more evil camera until unless we get through all the other Goosebumps episodes. Maybe in like what twenty twenty four? Maybe. When we do that Goosebumps episode, if Halloween still exists. <laughs> oh, maybe, until it's canceled. I have to ask, though, what does the cover of Shea Cheese and Die Again look like? Because I know the last one's, what, the barbecue with the skeletons? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. It's definitely more skeletons. I think they're at, like, a vol- like a beach or a volleyball. Oh, nope, it's a dinner table. Like a family around a dinner table. Um mm. It's they're all skeletons. There's the like the little kid, the older brother, the mom. Mom's holding like a turkey platter, but the turkey's also just a skeleton. And the dog. Oh, the dog is a skeleton. <laughs> and then the, the tagline is think negative, real uh. negative. I think it'd be more interesting if the dog wasn't a skeleton. I think that'd be like a really neat twist on it. <laughs> like the camera just doesn't affect animals. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the, that would be you know interesting. Yeah. Yeah, not Ryan Gosling, folks. If it's not Ryan Gosling, Zach does not care. The the third in the trilogy is from uh, the Goosebumps Horrorland series. So I didn't oh. mention that earlier. It's Goosebumps Horrorland, and it's called Say Cheese and Die Screaming. So it's not even wait they they changed the the punctuation because the other two books were say cheese and die dot 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 and then a word or you know well dot 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 again and say cheese and die say cheese and die again this one is say cheese hyphen and die screaming what you're saying is Rob they should have called it a good day to say cheese and die <laughs> yes whoever this was published in 2009 I think that's the dark ages of goosebumps. <laughs> Isn't so, everything like after the 90s The Dark Ages of Goosebumps Yeah everything but the original series Absolutely I'm a purist <laughs> A couple of years from now Rob's gonna blow up like a hospital And in the suicide note like manifesto It's gonna say I'm a Goosebumps purist <laughs> <laughs> Oh oh, fantastic Say cheese if I may make a request, uh oh, what what are we going to talk about next? What are we done with? Say cheese and die again, or are we moving on? I think so. I think we're we're done with say cheese and die. We're ready for our second one. And I was going to pitch that we discuss what I'm guessing is the one you hate, a shocker on Shock Street next. Ding 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 ding. Uh, are you dinging to that you hate it, or that you want to talk about it next, or both? <laughs> Combination of the two. Fantastic. This. So this episode, most of my notes are just, in all capitals, we are robots and we want to live. <laughs> yeah. So what is this, like, the Goosebumps version of Westworld, right? That's what I kept thinking of while watching this. I'm like, because as I'm watching it, because I go into, like, I don't do any research for the Goosebumps stuff that Rob sends me. Because mm-hmm. as, we, as I infamously said off mic, <laughs> I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it. Which might be one of my favorite things I've ever said in regards to Cinematis. 
is that's how I treat this. Like I'm not doing any research. I'm just going in blind and I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, okay. And like how it begins is we have like two kids walk in. The girl's like, oh, this is my father's workshop. He like works for like a visual effects company that like makes like movie monsters. Mm-hmm. And they have like all these really cool looking like masks and like just effects and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like you kind of predict where it's going. Then like out of nowhere, it starts to be like, oh, there's a tram tour. And it's like, okay, tram tour, whatever. Uh, and then you go and it's like, oh, the tram tour is like in the house. And I'm like, because that's what they're saying, right? They're saying that what? Because they sneak into the father's workshop, right? And then, yep. like, all of a sudden, like, the tram tour is just, like, right next door to the father's workshop. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. None at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on the little, like, buggy. And the buggy, like, stops. And because the, the father says what? Well, the father, in quotation marks, says, oh, don't get out of the vehicle any time. And here are your laser guns. Oh, and yeah. they're like, why do we need laser guns? And he's like, oh, you know, like, wink, wink into the camera. <laughs> and so the boy gets out of the cart. And they start, like, walking around Shocker Street, which is supposed to be, like, a real-life, I guess, like, film set. It's never really explained properly. Why, like, a visual, like, like a... Oh god, Creature Effects House has like its own like back lot, but whatever. And they start walking around and like all these just like weird things start happening. Like it's it reminded me very much of like the sequence in Beetlejuice where they're walking down like the hallway and they keep opening doors yes. like these and these weird things are happening and they quickly slam the door. I thought the same thing. Oh, right on. Yeah, they open one door and there's fire. They open another door and there's like lightning and storms and it's just like, you know, that's the door where lost souls go to live, you know. <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe they didn't tell us. Oh, Adam. What is this? That's the lost souls room. A room for ghosts that have been exorcised. Poor devils. That's death for the dead. It's all in the handbook. Keep moving. Yeah, one of those, like, every door is like a portal to a different world, which isn't, like, like novel with uh, Beetlejuice. It's from other things as well, but it's the most, like, accessible example of that. And I'm watching this being like, okay, what's happening? The whole time the girls being, like, the reserve and being like, we have to go back. We have to go back. And the boy's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And they do a bunch of stuff, and eventually, like, he goes up to, like, just, like, a chain-link fence, and it's, like, d- like danger, like, high voltage. He's like, like I don't know, like sticking like a coat, like a metal coat hanger through it. It's like, look, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> then eventually, like a man in a very bad costume, like starts to maul him. And it starts like electrocuting them both. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, what sort of sham is this? And then like they go back. And I don't even remember because half this I don't even remember. And then like the father's there, or no, I don't even. Okay, what happens? Because eventually, like we find out that they're like Westworld robots. So that, after after they get um, confronted by the dude behind the fence who and like the the guy the little the kid the male kid gets electrocuted, they can't go back out. So they go in further. They get a scene with the piranha person. Yeah, which which we're gonna hi- that's what has to be highlighted the most <laughs> out of this. But after Has they get away, breath. 
After they get away from the piranha person, they find themselves back out on Shock Street, and the dad's there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, and then they're happens? robots. He, he turns them off. Does he turn them off? Or what's what's the specific? Because I know the girl's like, Dad, what are you doing? Despite the fact that she's supposed to look like she's like 12 or 13, and he looks like he's about like 65. Oh, yeah. And it's like, wow, this was a really like October like marriage. And <laughs> like he turns the boy off, right? And she's like, what are you doing, yeah. Dad? He, he turns, turns her- the boy off, but then she like freaks out and short circuits because okay. she has like a voice effect scene where she's like, let go of me, you're hurting me, you're hurting And she like slows down and stops. I want to be alive! I am alive! Alive, I tell you! Mother, I love you! Those are no longer just words! I want to hold you! I want to run in a stream! I want to taste ice cream, but not just put it in my mouth and let it slide down my throat, but really eat it! Remote override engaged? No! Yes! Bypassing override! I am alive! Hello? What did you do? What did you do to Marty? Why did you create these monsters? What have you done with my mother? Let me go! You're evil! Let me go! 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 Yeah, it's one of those, and like the, he goes to like all the technicians because we do have like that Westworld moment where it's like the the father like in a control room, and like how the control room is just, like like a, like oh god, like a panel with like five monitors. That's yeah. the control room. Yeah, and they go out, they bring the two like people in. He has a bunch of like assistants that all are the same, obviously inferring that they're also like robots. And he brings them in. It's like oh, I gotta make some like adjustments to like version two then the original ones like wake up and they're like goobble gobble one of us one of us we and, want like, to live <laughs> yeah and like that's how, and it's like like the final shots like of them like strangling him and it's like ah and then it cuts the credits it's like bum 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 of the goosebumps credits and i'm like what kind of hot garbage is this <laughs> what kind so, of waste of time was this so okay zach that was a great recap are you ready <laughs> We're going to take it back to the beginning. Oh, (laughs) jeez. So, as I mentioned, uh, as we both mentioned, I think, already in this episode, the start of this, uh, a shocker on Shock Street, the first episode of season three, they really kicked off season three with a bang, right? (laughs) And it includes, they're in, like, the special effects office, or the, the studio, I guess, and there's all these masks and stuff like that, and pretty much all of those masks exist in other Goosebumps episode, like Calling All Creeps, um, some of the masks from the the two Haunted Mask one and two, Haunted Mask two actually has a double part episode, or I think a single part, in season two or three. Um, but a lot of those masks are in there. The Scarecrow walks at midnight mask is in there. Some of the masks in this episode get used later in season four. So I'm pretty sure that this first scene was just shot in the prop room of the Goosebumps department. <laughs> right? I would not be surprised. Yeah, it's the cheapest set they could find. <laughs> so I've, I always thought that was cool you know seeing all those masks um because they are neat neat masks you know neat effects that they have uh practical effects in a lot of these episodes of goosebumps but the next thing i want to highlight is when the dad is telling the two kids that they're going to be the first people to try out the tram ride like the tour of of shock street or whatever it is at an it's it's so awkward because the kids are like wow this is going to be so cool can mom come with us and it comes oh, out of yeah. nowhere, and, and the, yeah, and the father that. just turns solemn instantly, and he's like, what did you just say? And don't worry, you won't be disappointed. Hey, Dad, can Mom come with us? 
Excuse me? What did you say? Can Mom come? She loves scary rides. No. You two will be the only ones on the ride. When I watched this for this recording, I could only think of... I, hadn't, I haven't thought about this for years, but Zach, do you remember the, the fantastic YouTube video competition? Specifically, the number to heaven? Does this ring any bells? Uh, for some reason, the, the name number to heaven rings a bell, but I don't remember anything beyond that. Okay, so I think it was in like 2009 or 2010, maybe a little earlier, there was some like YouTube channel or, or studio that held this competition... And it was basically you can you have to upload like a 90 second, maybe two minutes, very short YouTube video about anything you want. But it has to include the word fantastic in it somewhere. And I think that was part of their promotional thing was had something to do with some company that had fantastic in the name or that was part of their slogan. But there was one video that will always stick with me because it starts and like the camera pans up and there's just like a little rowboat out on a lake and on this rowboat. There's a big tentacle monster actually rowing the boat. Oh, yeah. And the That's little from- kid with the chain around his neck. And you, know, you know where this came from, right? I Vaguely. This was what back soup? in the day. What what? Soup? Yes, that's right. So, yeah, uh, that's how we found out about it. And it turned out to be part of this competition, I think I found years later. But, yes, there's in this video, you see this giant monster, this little kid. And <gasps> oh, the good little- Lord, Rob. How do you remember? How do you remember this? I, I don't know. This is what the, this line made me think of. And the little man is like, I wish mom was here. Can I talk to her? And the monster says, only if you know the number to heaven. And then <laughs> throws a cinder block off of the boat. And it's you see that, that the cinder block yep. is connected to the chain around the kid's yep. neck. And the kid gets pulled under. And the boat like rows away. And the, you see the boat is called SS Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic so, Fest. Yeah, Fantastic. That. Yeah. That's it. I'm glad you remember this. Do you ever think about Mom? Yeah, I do. I miss her so much. <laughs> you know, you really remind me of your mother sometimes. You think we can call her? Do you know the number to heaven? This is what it made me think of oh when God. out of nowhere, this little girl was like, can mom come with us? I was, I wanted the father to be like, only if you know the number to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this came, this hit me like a ton of bricks when I remembered this last night. I'm so glad I, this wasn't just kind of a, um, an alternate reality I'm remembering. <laughs> oh my God. This might be the first time in the history of mankind that someone made a reference to web soup. <laughs> yeah. Like like in earnest, like a web soup clip. Like not just the fact that like the Fantastic Fest like clip. It was through web soup. Because we haven't right. again web I, I don't think Rob is web soup out there at all. Like and you I guess you would have to check for that. Yeah, so, like, I, I I never hear about it anymore. <laughs> oh god, remember what was it? The the oh god, remember what was the dog? Oh god, the girl to dog for a father. Oh yeah. Oh my Bonk. god. <laughs> it's like dad. Why can't I see mom? Bonk. But dad, that's what you do all the time. Bonk. <laughs> hey, so listen, I had like a great time hanging out today. Me too. I love school. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Um, can I call you sometime? Yes, yes. <laughs> great, great. Uh, I will. I will call you. <laughs> cool. All right. Okay. <laughs> 
It's the girl with a dog for a father. Only on TGIF. Are you ready to talk about why mom left? Oh man, we're gonna have to dig deep for some clips. <laughs> oh god, wow! Talk, I did not. I did not have all the things. All the for those of you on your Cinemati's bingo card that had Web Soup Fantastic Fest clip reference. Oh man, you you hit the jackpot. Oh, fantastic! Do you know the Absolutely. number, Evan? <laughs> Oh dear, but uh, okay, Rob. Well played, well played reference. <laughs> good, good. So yeah, that came out of this episode. Uh, the next thing I had to mention was, uh, did Zach? Did you pick up on when they, right before the kids get on the tram ride, the tram shows up and it shows like the the front, the stylized, you know, design of the monster head on the tram. The tram says something. Did you hear what oh. it said? No, rocks. I watched a really bad copy I was provided with. <laughs> the tram actually says, Rider beware, you're in for a scare. Oh, yes, now I pick up on that. <laughs> this looks scary. You're in for a scare. So we've gotten reader, we've gotten viewer, we've gotten writer, we've gotten listener. We're getting all these people better beware. <laughs> all the senses. All the senses, yes. Liquor beware, you're in for a scare. <laughs> Perfect. So I think, I think the only other thing I want to mention before we jump into the piranha person scene, because that's, that's the, the best scene in this whole thing. The book, this, I, I like to highlight this episode because this is one of them that is wildly different from the book and it seems like it's because of either time constraints or and or budget constraints in the book and actually on the cover of a shocker on shock street there's a giant praying mantis and that's basically the main antagonist of the book is a giant praying mantis and that was so iconic that that's actually in the jack black movie like the thing that they released yeah. from this book is the giant praying mantis and it's always so strange to me when I watch this episode every year that they get rid of that. They also get rid of Wolf Boy and Wolf Girl, which are basically like the foreshadowing characters in the book that our main characters are also robots or animatronics in some sense. There's a whole kind of slew of storylines that get condensed, like we said with Say Cheese and Die Again, that get like torn down to their most bare minimum and thrown into just this quick, okay, they got to get from point A to point B. How many places can we throw in weird shit happening? And that takes away from the story. Yeah. Piranha person, though, this scene is hilarious. So as they're trying to escape, piranha person attacks them. Piranha person is just a person in a black cloak, and their head's a piranha. <laughs> and everything in this scene... Of course it is. Everything in this scene is fantastically funny from one the whole time that this scene is going on piranha person is standing there it's not moving towards them it's just standing there writhing around like its arms and just screaming making its screech noise it never moves toward them it doesn't walk towards them it doesn't back away from them and checkbox number one that's great they're in no threat you know there's just some weird shaky cam to make it feel like there's a threat Two, 
the kids forget that they have guns and try and take the head of the piranha person off because they think it's a dude in a costume. But for some reason, they can't get it off. And that's when they remember they have guns. And we get the fantastic line of the girl so saying, shoot it with the laser guns. And the boy actually says, oh, that's right. I forgot. And they take <laughs> their guns out and they try and reason with the piranha person. They point their laser guns at the piranha person and they say, stay back or we'll shoot. And it cuts back to the piranha person not moving from its spot. And they go, that's it. You asked for it. And they fire the guns and they do nothing. And everything about this, Zach, is so stupid. It might be one of the greatest scenes ever. I think I've ever seen with how stupid this is. Piranha person! Which one? Now that's a stupid question. I'd say one was for its afternoon snack. Maybe this isn't real. Maybe this is one big practical joke. It looks pretty real to me. One way to find out. The laser guns! You're right, I forgot! Get back and you won't get hurt. Okay, you ask for it. Let them have it, Marty. Did this stand out to you? Did any parts of this piranha person scene stand out to you? <laughs> the piranha person should have said, Desire is irrelevant. <laughs> I am a machine. Because <laughs> it, its head does pop off, too. And it puts, has to put it back on. It's perfect. Right? Yeah, I know, right? See, like the, the, the producers of Terminator 3 were watching Goosebumps back in the 90s going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yes, definitely. Piranha Person. What was your inspiration for making this film? Piranha Person. What? Nothing. <laughs> well, uh, you no. know, we're thinking of the Jimmy C, the first two movies. We're thinking of Jimmy C's first movie, Piranha. How do we combine those? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, at one point with the guns, they, they, they try to shoot the guns. I was hoping they'd throw the guns at the Piranha Man's head. Oh, yeah. I was really hoping for that. They don't do that. Uh, yeah, this this whole episode was a mess. Nothing, oh, time. It's it's bad. Like this is a blatantly like like the other one's kind of like meh. It's like but fine. It's coasting on the fumes of just the previous like say cheese and die. This is just like you have a really good premise and clearly because I know at one point when they're walking around shock shocker street or wherever it is, you can see like stuff in the background like beyond the fence and they're like and it's like oh did they film this like. Like a Canadian Six Flags, they just rented out like the carnival, like like a little like like the, the the old West section for like a couple of mornings before like the park opened. Yeah, because that's the fact. I think at one point you see like a playground like beyond the fence, and it's like what? It's like <laughs> clearly this this is like an artificial set. This is not here for like any sort of like genuine like movie making. This is just like somebody yeah. else. It's being repurposed, and there's something else outside like the fencing. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's a uh, the seams are showing every which way. <laughs> yeah. And I get like you said, the very beginning, like all like the masks. I even I recognize a couple of the masks just from just being like goosebumps iconography bur being burned into my mind. Sure. It's yeah, I'm like, okay, neat. Like again, the, the episode began. I'm like, okay, this is neat. And then like the further it goes on, it's like, what the hell is this? I'm like, <laughs> like I can't imagine being like an eight year old being like, excited for like do we know when like new Goosebumps episode premiere? Do we know like when like it was like was it like Fridays? Did they just show up randomly. 
well, apparently, what channel this? What channel did this play on the U.S. when it was like new? I think it was Fox Kids. Oh, okay, so this this is where it showed up new. Yeah, and according to Wikipedia, this episode aired on September sixth in nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, did that year ever really happen? That was a that was a Saturday, according to my computer. Yeah, it makes sense. Saturday morning, kind of like the equivalent of a uh, uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I but then but then season three, episode two, aired on September eighth, <laughs> which was a month like the next, the following Monday. That's I know. I remember once I was doing something with the Star Wars podcast, and I forget whether it's IMDb or Wikipedia. I think Wikipedia has the dates wrong. You might have to okay. go to IMDb. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because Wikipedia is just they they they're pulling their information from somewhere and it's not right sometimes. Or it could be the other way around. It could be IMDb that's wrong. But I have, I I would tend to believe IMDb first over Wikipedia. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest way to look at it. Don't trust anything on the internet. Uh, I mean, yeah. also on the Wikipedia page for this, it says that the main antagonist of this episode is the praying mantis, which we oh really we, okay yeah, which we clearly know is not true. Uh, yeah, this this is this is kind of like I I can if you were excited for this as a kid like not rob you but just in general and you saw this I like I that's the weird thing about Goosebumps that even to this day I can't figure out who it was for like I get the books because the books like would show up like what once a month once every two months right I think so yeah pretty at a pretty regular schedule yeah yeah and so like oh it's like a monthly thing it's like oh the latest Goosebumps is here and like oh I like this. But there's a different thing reading a scary book versus re- like watching a scary program. Mm-hmm. Like like watching a scary program in like April is the stupidest thing in the world because there's no weight to it. <laughs> like that's yep. thing about it's like that's you know it might just be me and the Monstober thing. Like yes, you can watch scary movies any time of year. Like anytime I hear about like a scary movie being released outside of like August, September, or October, I'm like, what the hell were they thinking? Uh, I don't know. I just can't see watching something like Goosebumps. I know. I think that's very clear too, and we'll get into it with uh, the haunted mask situation. Is that Goosebumps? I think was starting to trend away from like a very specific identity that maybe it was getting labeled with. Oh, interesting. I think they wanted to go like move further away from a. Oh God. A, I don't want to say Tales from the Dark Side, but like I guess it's kind of like what happened with Tales from the Dark Side. We're like that very, and again, we'll get into more of the comparisons when we talk about the, the next segment. But like the first episode is a very pulpy horror premise, mm-hmm. pulpy, scary, spooky premise. And then as the series would go on, it became more and more like Twilight Zone esque. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's where that's not my cup of tea. Like even though like like I, some of these morals, I again I like it. When, I think I said even last year, I like it when these stories end with a moral. I just don't like a story ending with a twist for the sake of ending with a twist. Sure, yeah, understandable. A twist without a proper like build up is just nothing. It's just that. It's just it's there for the sake of being there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We didn't ever ask M Night Shyamalan what he thinks of Goosebumps. Like he had to have been watching, even though like he was a filmmaker oh. at this time, he had to be watching this stuff and just taking copious notes, being like, oh yes, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. This is like one of those things. I would imagine him like, like I don't know, coming back from like making like an independent movie, and it being on TV like one night, him being like, oh, oh. This seems like in his wheelhouse, like something he would probably appreciate. Yeah, yeah. He never, admi- he never admit it though. Yeah, it make, makes me think of um. Remember Lady in the Water? 
that it, his like, movie did, did that movie ever happen rob uh that's a good question but isn't like isn't the premise of that movie that like the whole thing is like they have a book and the book guides them to what to do with the lady in the water it's something like that. i've never seen that yeah movie. Oh, okay i know i know it's like it's like what the movie critic played by Shyamalan's like the hero of it and that's like the joke like oh the the movie whoever or no the critic is the bad guy paul giamatti's like the critic and he's the bad guy that's what it is yeah, I think I only saw that once, and it was a mess, but it makes me think it's a right-up Goosebumps out, like Goosebumps-type alley, where it's yeah. like, you know, oh, this book is going to guide us through this, you know, mystical uh, process we have to encounter, or some nonsense mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, the Shock Street, no. No thanks. <laughs> so I do have to uh, point out, at the end of this episode, uh, I think it was, they did it for like the first few episodes of season three, the... The end credits has like an upbeat remixed version of the theme song. So we'll have to play that. get a clip in maybe play it in reverse later because we played uh the, the original theme song in reverse i'm sure that as soon as the credits started to roll on this one you just stopped it right <laughs> i didn't even get the credits rob my thing just cuts off at the like like the moment like a name shows up oh okay that's right. what i think i'm pretty sure like the moment i get like bump 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 and then it's like cut off Okay, well, interesting. And Rob, we know what we're playing over the end credits of this episode. <laughs> you know what we're playing over the end credits of this. It ain't no Goosebumps theme song. I am become Carly Beth. <laughs> <laughs> God bless Carly Beth. Okay, well, if you had nothing else to say about Shocker on Shock Street, those were our two season three episodes. And now we are taking it all the way back to the pilot of Goosebumps, the Haunted Mask. Zach, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, I'm guessing, by process of elimination, this is the one you enjoyed. Folks, like every Monstober season, I have to suffer through Goosebumps. Like I said last year, I'm, I was never particularly keen on Goosebumps. And even last year's episodes, I had really no memory of them. It okay. wasn't until I listened to last year's episode, which I did this morning, that I kind of like, oh, yeah, I liked like the Jack-O-Lanterns one because I know mm-hmm. I completely forgot about the fact that we have Super Drew in the Zodiac Killer. Like, I forgot <laughs> about that. Like, completely <laughs> spaced on that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like that, I, 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 it's coming back to me now. And I'm like, oh, I get it. And I'm like, okay, it was cute. I know why that resonated with me. And so, but again, that was today. So when I got all these episodes, like, I don't know, like a couple days ago or a week ago, I'm like, okay, I better watch all these. Cause at this point, Rob had kind of like gone off the grid for like a week. Didn't know when he was coming back. So let me be prepared. He says, Zach, can we record tomorrow? And so I'll have all my bases covered. And so, okay, let me watch these. <laughs> Zach and... gets a frantic phone call at two in the morning. <laughs> I'm ready for goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> More like a frantic, like text message slash voice message in Dropbox. Zach, we're recording now. A two hour voice message where I'm just like, okay, I did this on my own. You fill in the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a great way to record a Cinematis episode. <laughs> uh, so no, it's so, like I put it on and the order that these were given to me were the 
I guess the chronological release with the haunted mask, Shock Street, and then uh, not Ryan Gosling episode. Yeah, and I put it on and I'm watching it, and it's like okay, it's playing out like your typical. Or, or actually, how it begins is with the introduction by R.L. Stein. Yes, which, one of the reasons I hate the episode. <laughs> oh, I abs. Okay, for the record, tipping my hand a little prematurely, I absolutely love this. The whole okay. episode, like this was great. This isn't just like my normal like patronizing Rob, where I'm like, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's good. This was like genuinely great. Like this was up my alley. Like this checked all the boxes for me. I enjoyed it like on an authentic level. It's campy to hell. It's True. goofy. It's got that great Halloween like air. I, I think even last year I mentioned it like, oh, like it's a very specific type of like like time of the day of Halloween where like it's about to end, but you have the last few like breaths of Halloween of the season. And Rob's like, what I've never heard this before, but I'm glad you're getting this vibe from the show. And <laughs> I and this show, this episode did a fantastic job of just like encapsulating everything that's so great about Halloween beyond just like the events of uh, whatever her name is, who I name I should remember. And how the episode begins with the introduction by R.L. Stein, and I love how matter-of-fact it is, because it reminds me of, like, a combination of, like, Alfred Hitchcock Presents and, like, Jonathan Frakes' Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, because it adds a grounded layer to it. It makes it look like it could happen. And I guess it's less Beyond Belief, because Beyond Belief happened years after this. Mm -hmm. But, like, it has that, like, Alfred Hitchcock Presents vibe to it. You have the creator being the host, and he's the foundation for all this. And I'm like, that's great! I'm like, why isn't this in every episode? This is a very easy way. You pay R.L. Stein for, like, a weekend's worth of work, and you add, like, a whole layer of just like authenticity for every episode it's great good evening do you believe in ghosts of course not i knew you didn't noise is the mortal enemy of good motion picture making and television broadcasting. That is why I hired this particular house. It is deathly quiet. <laughs> Most of the time. And its reputation for being haunted keeps away the curious. The shifting of scenery also seems to be better here. The human element has been removed. So, if you will just lean back and relax, I'll tell you a little ghost story. Please don't hesitate to turn out your lights. I'm sure the warm glow from the picture tube will be sufficient to melt all your fears of the dark. Hello. I'm R.L. Stein. I write the Goosebumps books. In a few minutes, you're going to see one of my favorite stories come alive. The Haunted Mask is a frightening Halloween story about a girl named Carly Beth. The horror begins when Carly Beth puts on the evil haunted mask. 
and it ends when she discovers there is nothing more powerful than the love of her family and friends. What's so scary about that? You'll see. Viewers beware. You're in for a scare. And of course, they did away with that like really quickly. Oh, yeah. and, and even when he's like coming out, you have like all the masks from the episode there. Very Alfred Hitchcock presents because he would do his thing and he'd talk about like the, I think um, I, I remember it mostly from him like doing the promos for Psycho, where it's like this is a house or no, this is a bathroom. Yeah, horrible things have happened here. They're almost too horrible to talk about. When that moment, she. I can't even do it. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And even though R.L. Stein's not like, I think I, in preparation for this episode, I listened to a podcast episode about this episode. I'm sorry, about the, the Haunted Mask. Mm-hmm. And they're even like, R.L. Stein, the man charisma forgot. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, R.L. Stein has no personality, but he's, he's trying here. And I'm like, great. I'm just like, in the first like 30 seconds, I'm sold. He introduces us to the characters very similar to what like Alfred Hitchcock would do with Alfred Hitchcock presents. And we get like uh Carly Balth and her friend. Is her friend's name Sabrina or Selena? I think it's Sabrina. Okay, Sabrina. It's Carly Beth and Sabrina going to like a pumpkin patch to pick a pumpkin, and the two school bullies ha- are playing a trick on Carly Beth, which they do mm-hmm. every single chance they get. Yep. And they like come out of the ground, like they had themselves buried in the ground at the pumpkin patch, like come out of the ground and scare Carly Beth to the point where she runs away. And the friend comes up to her and they have like a little kind of like a one-on-one moment where they're like, Carly Beth, like you shouldn't be so scared. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know, but like these guys always get to me. And I'm like, if people are burying themselves underground to scare me. <laughs> Like, that is indicative of a much larger problem for not just Carly Beth, but for the bullies, too. Because there is something, there is a deep sociopathic connection they have with Carly Beth. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like that, I think like, they, they mention it later when she's scaring them and they're like, we were just tormenting Carly Beth because we want to run train on her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. That does happen. It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Um, this so whole before episode- before you keep go, I think I think I I love that you love this episode, Zach, and I can't wait to get into it more. But I I think part of my dislike of this episode is in the story because I never really liked this book either, and we'll get into more of that. I think when we go through the story, but I have to mention. I totally get what you're saying about the the reminiscence of Hitchcock Presents with the introduction we have from R.L. Stein, But you know me. I think our audience knows me. You cannot get my attention with anybody in any format going, this story starts when someone makes a bad decision and ends when they realize love is the strongest power in the universe. Like, fuck that introduction, man. I hate that so much. What you're saying is Christopher Nolan based Interstellar off that opening. <laughs> I I think that um, everybody who thinks they're writing something deep that uses the word love should stop it. <laughs> it's not a deep idea, okay? Even the Flaming Lips. Uh, you know I love the Flaming Lips, but that's half their songs are about, how love is so important. Give me anything different. I don't need six albums telling me how love is important, okay? It's done. We get it. <laughs> 
Is, is anybody else hearing the Beatles' All You Need Is Love right now? Or is it just me? <laughs> that, is uh, a, that is a good song. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, if I'm left to do this, we'll be here for another three hours as I break down literally every single moment of this episode. <laughs> So, Rob, will you please tell the audience, the listeners, what happens over this episode? Because I will go on for seven hours about okay, it. Okay. Left unchecked. Okay. So, first thing everybody needs to know, we've already introduced two characters. we got Carly Beth, our main character, and her friend, Sabrina. I never knew this until I did my research last night. Carly Beth is played by Catherine Long. Her friend, Sabrina, is played by Catherine Short. Catherine is spelt the same way in both of their names. So we have long and short coming at us hard and fast at the beginning of this episode. And Carly Beth is scared. Sabrina says, you didn't get your pumpkin. 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 The scene changes. Carly Beth eats a sandwich full of worms. Carly Beth doesn't understand why her mother makes plaster of Paris busts of herself. <laughs> Carly Beth destroys a duck costume while yes, she's she sobbing. And then she has, like, literally the scene in Mandy with the cult leader where he's, like, sobbing in the mirror and then yep. goes, I'm never going to doubt myself again. And he gets all serious. That was inspired by the scene where she <laughs> destroys the duck costume. Tell me what to do. 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 Tell me. Tell me. Because yep. Carly Beth is literally crying her eyes out, ripping up this duck costume, and then she like goes to the mirror and she's like, I'm gonna be scary. <laughs> Steals the mask from the shopkeeper, which is one of the only differences from the book. 
She buys it in the book. I don't know why they made her steal it in the show. And she has a moment of regret. She literally steals it from the guy and stops like 10 feet out of the store and goes, what am I doing? All right, I'm being evil. And then (laughs) she puts on the mask. She menaces so many people that a woman says she's going to call the cops. (laughs) No, that is, okay, pause. But prior to this, Prior to the mask is fantastic. When she puts the mask on, goes out like quote unquote trick or treating. It might be the greatest moment in history because it is just, it is like hammy to like the umpteenth degree. Oh, Nicholas Cage is watching this and took copious notes as well. And it's like, so this is how it's done because oh, yeah. there are more, there's a point where there's two kids with like a costume one of the kids has like, oh god, like has like, and it's the most like complex Halloween costume for someone under the age of like twenty, where it's like a dummy head and he has like fake shoulders and he has like oh god, like a black like cloth <laughs> yeah. draped over it and she like tears apart his Halloween costume. Well, like she's going a hundred. It's like this is the children's version of Jim Carrey's The Mask. She's going like <laughs> yes. all out. Oh yeah, she's, she's like, like somebody stop me. <laughs> oh, oh, the voice is great. Oh, it's fantastic. Like I, like I would do an like, impersonation of it here. Yeah, I could not do it justice. Like the amount of clips that we're going to have to play here. There's a very real possibility that we insert the entire 40 minutes into this episode, <laughs> so you two can like just relish in the beauty that is this sketch. I'm not scared. In this episode. And everybody take a shot every time somebody says Carly Bass. <laughs> we'll get to that. Because that's that is the crowning achievement of this episode. You're not mate, you're blacking out in five minutes if you play that drinking game. <laughs> you will okay, we'll get to that in due time. So yeah, so go back to what Rob was saying that she sits there, like she goes on like the tear to end all tears. To the point where like, like Sabrina, like, she goes to Sabrina's house. And it's like, that is such a scary mask, Car- Carly Beth. At this point, my brain is trying to repress me saying it because I've heard it so many times. <laughs> and it's like, she's like, oh, God, it looks so real. And it's like, oh, God, it feels like it's real. And they go trick-or-treating to, like, the first house. And it's like, like the, the, the kid, like, the woman opens the door. And the mom is, like, maybe, like, early 30s. She is a young mom. And the kids answer the door with the mother. And they're like, they ask Sabrina, what are you supposed to be, like, a rat? And she's like, no, I'm a cat. And they're like, and the other kid has the, like, like when it comes to like kid delivery and we've talked about some horrible children actors, this is like the worst slash greatest child actor delivery of a line ever. Oh yeah. I don't like that one too scary. And I'm just like (laughs) peeing myself at that delivery. (laughs) And it's like, oh my God, it's like too scary. And Carly Beth, this goes like on this like epic epic like this like rant and it's like just starts like doing it and the mother goes don't do that you're scaring her and mm-hmm. like carly beth just goes up just doubles down to the point where like rob said the mother goes get out of here i'm calling the cop treat oh now that's what i call a scary mask what are you supposed to be a giant hamster <laughs> no cat <laughs> i don't like the other one mom too scary 
Oh, it's just a funny mask, hon. Don't be afraid. You better watch what you say to me if you know it's good for you. <laughs> Listen, don't frighten her like that. She's just a little girl. Oh, well, isn't that too bad? Hey, cut it out. And if you don't start talking, <laughs> you'll get what's coming to you, too. You tell your sick little friend that I'm going to call the police. She's not really like that. Coming back, wait up. Yeah, because one of the, I think two of the, like the last two lines are legitimate threats. Like, doesn't Carly Beth, like she leans down. Well, Carly Beth is, the actor can't be more than like 15, 16 years old. Leans down to this like seven or eight year old kid and goes, you better watch what you say or you're going to have to deal with me or something like that. And it's like, that's not, that's like a legitimate threat to say. Oh, it's glorious. It's glorious. But the best part is. And I don't know, and this is the beauty, I think I've said it numerous times on Cinemodies, is that line of whether intentional or unintentional, and that's where the pure Cinemodies come from. That is like where you get the mother of pearl. It's right in that really like hairline crevice is where the gems come out. Because what did the director on set that day tell the, was it Catherine Short? Catherine Long is Carly Beth, yeah. Okay, Catherine Long is Carly Beth. What did the director tell Carly Beth that day? Of shooting because like it is the most ham-fisted performance i've ever seen in a child actor like i've never seen a child actor ham it up as much but like not without tipping it over to where it becomes like oh this kid actor is doing too much yeah i i it, it so i don't know if you read this zach but in some of my research for this apparently in um uh, one of R.L. Stein's uh, memoirs, not memoirs, but, you know, biographies or stories about himself, he said that while he was on set for this episode, it being the pilot, that the director wanted to use fake worms for the worm in the sandwich scene. And apparently Catherine Long was like, no, we need to do real worms. And it took 12 takes and 12 worms. I, I did see that. And I'm glad that you brought that up because when I read that, I like to imagine that on the set for this back in the 90s, a <laughs> similar, if not identical, circumstance happened to the same thing that happened in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Leonardo DiCaprio and the little girl, where it's Catherine Long sitting there being like, like this, like lecturing all the other yes. actors, telling them about how to method act. This is our job. We have to do it perfectly. We have to live up to the audience's expectations. So, yeah, I think Catherine Long was just like, I am this mask. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere Quentin Tarantino was here taking copious notes, being like, uh-huh, uh-huh. In 25 yes. years, I'm going to make this into a character in one of my movies. Oh, great connection. <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. Oh, this, this episode is, again, perfect. It's everything I want out of life. And just anything, not just a cinemati, everything. Because it's just, it hammers on every single point. Even the fact that I had to watch it in like 240p, like pixelated quality. Like, I cannot wait to find this in HD. That's how excited I am for this. Oh, it's so, so good. I need worse quality. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was actually the episode that I had that note for, that I, this is what Goosebumps should look like. <laughs> Rob's like, degrade the quality even more. I need to I need to put it on a VHS tape and then copy it over a couple of times. Yeah, I think, for, I think from now until next year, I'm just going to be continuously copying this file back and forth from hard drive to hard drive and it'll lose a little bit of quality every time <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so yeah that's like the carly beth thing 
I'll let you continue uh, the summary. But yeah, that her performance with the mask when she's like hamming it up. Because I know a couple points she starts to get act, like scared and stuff. And that's 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 fine too. But like when she's hamming it up, oh, oh, oh yeah. it's it's delicious. Like it is I the did, most yeah. deliciously over the top performance by a child actor I've ever seen. Yes, yeah, I, I I did enjoy that. It's definitely very hammy, and uh, it was it was good fun. But of course, Carly Beth, she's menacing people. Um, she eventually finds the bullies that were have been scaring her forever. She scares them. Uh, they say that they were scaring her because they wanted, like I said, they wanted to run train on her. Carly Beth doesn't care. <laughs> she's completely enveloped by the mask as she's continuing to scare them. The plaster of Paris head that she has starts to talk. And saying, help me, you know. And Carly Beth even gets freaked out. Or the mask gets freaked out. The haunted mask. I don't know. Whatever persona she is. Something gets. Well, that's the thing, too. That there is. Okay. Because I had to share this with Rob. That somebody did, like, a classic YouTube thing I've talked about. Where, like, people do, like, retrospectives. And there's actually no shortage of retrospectives or podcast episodes on this episode of Mm -hmm. Goosebumps. And the person who I watched kind of like i don't want to say they ruined it for me but they did a really good job analyzing the episode okay because even as you're watching this and we'll delve into this more after we run through the summary is that depending on what sort of mental state or how much of a, a grasp the mask has on carly beth is that how articulated it is because obviously the, the earlier she puts it on it's very clearly a mask but yes. during certain parts where the more manic she gets, the more menacing she gets, the teeth actually move along with her. The mask is much more like adhere to her, like her physical body. And you can see that in just how it's just like, like when she moves like muscles on her face, you can see the mask move with it. Where in other instances, the mask doesn't do that, where she's more Carly Beth. And I'm like, yeah. that is an insane level of quality to put into a TV show, never mind one for kids, never mind with a child actor. To the point where, like, think about it, during different scenes, you're going to have to take the makeup off of Catherine Long, and then reapply makeup on her. And I would imagine it probably was certain days they did this. It wasn't like they halfway through the day, because it probably took hours to put this on her. But it's like that level of just finesse for a children's show adaptation based on a book yeah that's that was point. meant to be kind of like a the dime store novel horror equivalent for children like there is and like and that's where this guy's video kind of ruined it for me is that he really does analyze it as like a serious like work of like horror and maybe really appreciate it even on a whole nother level beyond just the whole campy just the oh good lord just the bonkers level aspect because at certain points too, I was watching this. I'm like, good Lord, somewhere Sam Raimi and like Bruce Campbell are watching <laughs> being like, good Lord kid, you got it. There's <laughs> a baby. Good. There's, there's a baby evil dead, like remake that needs to happen. Like, like, was it a, uh, like Watchmen babies? It needs to be oh, evil sh- dead babies. And somewhere <laughs> Catherine Long needed to be cast for that. Right on, right on. But yes, go back to your summary. So yes, you have the point with different parts where the mask is like taking control of her other parts where she has a better grasp. Yep, uh, the the head of her talks. Carly, the mask mask gets freaked out. They bury the head in the cemetery. Uh, she continues to menace people. Eventually, finds what goes home or finds Sabrina. One she, of those two she things. She finds Sabrina first, and that like snaps her out of her thing. She's like Sabrina. It's like she's talking normally again, and they go home. And I think they try and get the mask off. And just like we were saying, you know. There's that scene where she's like, these aren't my eyes. Like, my eyes aren't behind the mask anymore type of thing. And she can't get it off. There's no way to get it off. She has to go back to the shopkeeper. 
just like in the book, it makes no sense. The shopkeeper out of nowhere is like, you're the only person who loves these masks, Carly Beth. You need to be one of them. And I'm like, okay, I guess we need something to happen now. And then all the masks start to float towards her, and they do the, they do a great, like, courage the cowardly dog effect of, come yep. with us, Carly Beth. You're one of us. And, you know, it makes me think of, like, King Ramsey's curse. Return the slab. What? Return the slab. Oh, suffer my curse. What's your offer? This night, you will be visited by three plagues, each worse than the last. Return the slab. Ha! Nice try, Professor. And then Carly Beth digs up the head and she shows it to the other masks and she's like, look at this good mask. It's not a bad mask. And everything goes back to normal. The end. Well, okay. Rob's underselling this. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. The brother puts the mask on and that does absolutely nothing in the sequel. So. <laughs> well, yeah, but again, it, it's, it's a nice little flourish to punctuate the entire thing. It's like, uh-oh, it's like the cycle's beginning again, which unfortunately would be the thing that would become a hallmark in that that's the sad thing with a lot of pilots. They do one thing for that mm. specific moment, and it just gets carried on like ad nauseum. You know, it's not really applicable anymore or effective. And then again, we'll get into more specific like highlights of this. But even the ending, you go back. We have it's bookended by R.L. Stein, and we oh, go back sure. to him, and it's in the same location as him before, where he's like, oh. It's like all the all the unloved one masks are behind him. He's like, oh, that wasn't too scary now, was it? I have my parents here with me. I wonder what they'll think. And it pans over to them. And it's like, it's not a freeze frame, but it's almost like that where it's an exaggerated, like, scary reaction. Yes. Or almost, I guess the best, like, way I could, like, relate it to something is it reminds me of, like, the Airheads package. Or no, um, Sourheads with the guy oh, with the, sure. blown out, the blown out hair and, like, the like, giant, like, O-mouth oh, oh, face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's a weird visual. Like it's it's a creepy visual, but it's not like like menacing. It's creepy yeah. without being menacing. And I think that's something like maybe a whole new layer to not just like cinemodies, but to like Montstobers that like, doing creepy without it being menacing. Ah, interesting. Because nothing like this show is not trying to. This is not like real scary stories where it's trying to like paint a very like trying to scare you out of the room. Sure. This show is trying to entertain you with like macabre undertones. Yeah. Because at no point, I know, I, I didn't know this. It was in, I think, in the podcast thing I was listening to, that apparently this was broken up into two different episodes. Yep, yep. There's part one and part two. Mm-hmm. And the part one ends with the part of Carly Beth like throttling Sabrina, and that's how it ends. <laughs> Which I found that absolutely hysterical that that's how it ends. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. (laughs) Imagine watching this on like Cartoon Network in 2008 and that's how it ends. It's like, oh boy. Ooh. Like that's a good dark turn. Is Carly Beth going to have to choke a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's it's great. Like that's, oh boy. Everything about this is great. So like, okay, now that Rob broke it all down, uh, or like highlighted everything that he wanted to, uh, like the very beginning, again, the the two kids, the bullies that sit there, like for some reason it comes out of nowhere. Like, oh, we like Carly Beth. 
I knew that was a th- back in the nineties. That was a very big thing to tell kids to explain bullying. Mm. I never understood the psychology of it. Cause I remember when, even when I was in elementary school, I remember it was like one girl who always kind of like picked on me and everyone would tell me like, Oh, she likes you. And it's like a six, seven year old. Like that's, it's like, if somebody likes you, why are they like, and plus you're not at that point. I, I forget what Freudian stage it is, mm. but it's like, you're not, you're not looking at like, uh, like the opposite sex and that sort of again, girls have cooties. Um, Judy's, you gotta get your Judy <laughs> shot. Yep. Judy's coming soon. Ranch flavored Judy's. So, like, I never understood that as a thing, though. But I get it. It makes sense as a, like a device in a kids show of them. Like, I I can imagine like a forty five year old like writer trying to adapt this, being like, oh oh, does that happen in the book? Do they say that they like her in the book? I I don't recall, but I can't it seems see that like something. Yeah, it seems like something that you know. That wouldn't be a focus in the book. Like the the line in the show when they're like, "We only did it because we liked her." It seems so forced. Like we're saying, like a, like an older writer was like, "Yeah, that's yeah. what we need to have it flow." You need to make them sympathetic real quick. That's yeah. the that's the problem. With, not okay. It's not a problem. I think it I think it works. But that's kind of like that's why that happens because you need to make the bullies who've been kind of the antagonists this entire time sympathetic, like on a dime. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's effective storytelling for a 40-minute-long 40, 40 Goosebumps adaptation. Yeah, it's fine. So, but again, you go back to the, the, the beginning. The, the bullies are just harassing her, harassing her, to the point where, like, I'm— And that's the thing, too, that the YouTube video guy— and I probably should link to him in the show notes because he did a really good job on this— is that, like, there are some really great, like, psychological levels to this, too, where we see Carly— Carly Beth just go through all these layers and just being like, okay, she's being harassed at school. And I think it's fair to say that it's not just bullying. Like it is like, it's outside of school. No matter where she goes, these guys just have like, like you said, they have like a Royal heart on for her. They just will not let up with her. And it goes on and on. And at one point, again, they talk about it and obviously it's a modern day interpretation of this. It's like, Oh, it's bullying, which is, which is what it is. But it's the idea that like, Oh, how would a kid like respond to that? Because this isn't like, again, this is the what early mid nineties where you don't have like mm-hmm. the sort of culture we have today. Where, like if a kid feels bullied, the first thing they're going to want to do is get retribution. And this was also back in the nineties where retribution didn't entail buying a firearm and shooting up a school. <laughs> sure. So like, Oh, how are you going to get back at the kids that bully you? You're going to scare them. Yep. And you have that notion too, that she also does have like these weird, like even before she gets the mask, she does have these manic states where she goes from like crying to being upset, to being embarrassed, to like being like wanting to like forego being a child. And she's like throwing off, like being a child. Like she rips up the the duck costume. Mm -hmm. Uh, You do, you have all these layers that are going on and Catherine Long is doing a really good job selling all this. Oh yeah, because because yeah. at no point I, again we've talked about children, like child actors a lot in this. And the actress that plays Sabrina is horrible. Catherine, I don't want to say she's horrible, but she doesn't hold a candle to Catherine Long because the yeah. whole time you're watching this, you're not looking at it being like, oh man, this is a hammy child actor that's being told do whatever you want. This is somebody doing exactly either what they want or what somebody's telling them what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And she has all those layers. And then even when she goes and gets the mask and she's looking around the shop and we have the uh the shop the shop owner, and I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it. I forgot to do it in time for this. Is that I could have sworn that the shop, the novelty shop, is the same shop from the Tales from the Dark Side pilot. Oh where the where the miser has his like like general store. Yeah, interesting. It looks like the exact same building. Mm, okay 
I don't know, because I can imagine, like, when they were doing the Tales from the, the, the pilot, the dark, Tales from the Dark Side, was filmed, like, a year before the show ever got, like, started. So it could be. It could just be, like, on a back lot somewhere, and it's just, like, one of those things. It's just, like, general store, and you fix it up however you want it for whatever, like, project yeah. you're working on. But it looks very similar, because it has, like, that same sort of, like, glass panes. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting comparison. And so she goes into the shop, and you do have all these masks, which is really, I'm not talking about the unloved ones, but it's the other ones are just, think about it. Someone had to build all those masks. And it's cool. Oh, yeah. It looks like a Chewbacca mask with sunglasses, which I found interesting. And we have the shop owner. And even though his part of the story isn't as highlighted as I probably would have liked, because his stuff is more toward the very end, the last, what, eight, eight to ten minutes? Yeah, when she goes back to figure out how to get the mask off, yep. And it's very, like, abruptly explained. Like, oh, I, I, I built all... And it's not even really even clearly explained. Because it's like, oh, I, like, designed all these masks to hide my own, like, insecurities. And they got worse in the process to eventually the masks adopted, like, the inner turmoil that I fear. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, I've been able to deduce that from, like, watching it twice, I can't imagine an eight-year-old being like, oh! Oh! Yeah, exactly. But... That's the clever thing with this is that that's not there in any other Goosebumps episodes that I've watched is that this feels like an episode that was designed for both adults and children to watch. Yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned already that this is, you know, I think out of all the Goosebumps episodes, this is the one that is most true to the book and the source material. And I think that that's one of the things that, you know, I do get bummed out about the other Goosebumps episodes because the books usually do have these like psychological levels, these layers of more adult themes. And this is one of the only ones that really shows them off. And those are good facets, but it's just kind of a bummer, you know, when I love so many other books for that reason that they get shortchanged. Yeah, that's the weird thing. It's a very similar thing that happened like Tales from the Dark Side, even though there's other episodes of that show that I liked. That the pilot was like a very, very specific thing. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the show like kind of devolves eventually into like a poor man's Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And worth pointing out too is that the Tales from the Dark Side pilot, which I loved and Rob did not like, was also a Halloween thing that involves like people getting their comeuppance. Yep. And um oh, what was it? Uh Parental Debt Hunger Games? What was it called? <laughs> Parental Debt Hunger Games, <laughs> so, indeed. Something like that, right? <laughs> oh, that was that's glorious. Um, but no, this I, I get jumping a little bit ahead here, but yes, this I would put this on the same par as that. A, a different variety. Sure. But in the same level, just like perfect, like what I want out of like Halloween macabre entertainment. Oh, perfect. It's beautiful. Okay. Right on, right on. Um, but yes, you have the whole thing with the mask. She goes and gets the mask. She like throws the money at him. I love that. It's like, here's your money. Bye. Yeah. He's like, you can't have this mask. I'm going to take it anyway, but I'm going to throw money at you. (laughs) Love it. And and like you mentioned before, it's like she runs outside and she's like, what am I doing? And she turns around to go back and he locks the door and puts the clothes sign out. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's, it's great. It's also interesting because when she's in the shop, you know, when she first shows up, she's like looking around. He he almost gets surprised by her, it seems. And he's like, what are you doing in here? Get out of here. And I'm like, this is a store, isn't it? And she's like, I just need a mask for Halloween. It'll just be five minutes. And he's like, OK, as the phone ringing, the phone's ringing. He's like, OK, get five minutes. And while he's on the phone, I couldn't hear too much of what he was saying. But like just as Carly Beth is going into the back room and finding all of the the haunted masks that she, you know, starts to feel and stuff, 
he sa- he's on the phone and he says something like, I don't care about customers. That's all. She's falling apart. We need this chemical. I, I can't go on without it. I don't care about the customers. Something. And I'm like, what fucking store is this dude running? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's because that's the weird thing too. It's like it's Halloween like afternoon. Yeah. He runs a novelty shop filled with masks, and he seems perturbed that someone wants to buy a mask that day. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> again, they're playing into a trope. Like again, it's, it's the store shop owner that's like, "Get out of here!" Like he's I, being I weird. He's being creepy. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And there's and there's two ways to play it. There's that way, and then there's like the over enthusiastic way where it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh yes." I have everything you're looking for. Like it's that. Like really. Like it's. Oh god. It's. A, isn't there another Twilight Zone premise where it's like the idea? It's like. Uh, like oh, you don't want that mask. That mask is too scary. But I want a mask that'll scare people. Well, then maybe this is the one you're looking for. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. There, there's two ways to play that in the guise of like a children's show. Like or a again. You learn your lesson at the end. There's only two mm-hmm. ways to play that. There's no nuance in that role, unfortunately. And I think you do get a little bit more nuance and it comes at the end where even like the masks like start to come after him and her and he kind of like shields her from it for a brief second. It's like, get out of here before they get to you. Yeah. And that's cool. I can very easily. He could have, they could have done something where he, where he sticks them on her. Mm. Cause that's one thing I was expecting too. like, sure. She goes to him and it's like, uh, Mr. You need to help me. And he's like, Oh, this was my plan all along. Figuring yeah. I, needed, I needed the youth and innocence of a child for the ultimate mask. And it's like, no, he's not a bad guy. He's, he's, he's basically kind of like the extreme of all happened to her. If she doesn't learn a lesson from all this where that yeah. if you don't stop this. Now it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And it's never going to stop. And much like again, Rob's horrible versions that he provided me that it wasn't until I saw the HD versions of this, where you can actually see that like, he has makeup on his face where it's showing that like, like the, the mask is starting to like bleed through I'm guess his inner persona is starting to bleed through his human mask. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that. Then even the mask that she wears, I thought was all like, bright white and then when i watched the hd version it has some really great like painting on it and so all the other unloved ones masks that you don't see at all in the versions that rob gave me they all look like they're yeah. like white or off like off white slight brown you don't so, need any of that you don't need that as long as they're all white. as long as you can tell they're a mask as long That's as it's a luxury tell... zach's living life a luxury over there <laughs> details in a movie tv program <laughs> You don't need that nonsense. No, the way uh, that you the way that you said um, the the two ways they could have played the shopkeeper, it was making me think of I think a fantastic scene we could have gotten if the shopkeeper was more of that kind of you know over enthusiastic, maybe mustache twirling esque mm-hmm. type of you know villain where he's like showing her masks and oh god, the way you said it is perfect because now I'm just thinking where he holds up a mask and he's like, you should try this one, Carly Beth. Ooh. It's me. <laughs> because that's what it is. He says all these masks for him at a yep. certain point. <laughs> it's all connected, folks. It's all co- somewhere the producers of Terminator 3 once again where everybody was looking at this. Okay, cuck. Come on, quick, quick, quick. No one's looking. <laughs> the editor one day for this episode went to the, had, had the runs. They had to like, leave the editing bay for like an hour. Everybody is in, in, in the movie studio. Just, oh, cool. Perfect. CIS brings you the face of the future. Ooh, it's me. All of Hollywood learned something that day. 
That's great. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else to say. Okay, a couple other things. Again, like I, I, I can't do the the Carly Beth like running around on Halloween. Like that's just, it's so it's delicious. Like it is deliciously over the top. It's everything you could ever want. Another thing too, I think is there's a couple of things in this that like are introduced and they go nowhere because at one point the mother's like, oh, like your father's on the phone. And I'm like, there's a father. <laughs> oh, that's Cause to, right. Cause today that would be like, oh, they're divorced. And that'd be like mm-hmm. the reason why she's so like harassed is because she doesn't have a father. Men are horrible. That if this was made today, oh, that would be, yeah. that would be the thesis of this. Oh, all men are horrible. She's abandoned by her father. That's why she's like overly scared. Cause she's afraid of like male, like male harassment or just the absent like male in her life. And that's so to, right. Toxic I'm masculinity. This, yeah. I'm thinking of the scene with the, with the mother, Mother says something, you know, it's, we, we don't even get the scene where it's like, oh, your father's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. It's more like you, we just get the, like the mother in the kitchen on the phone. What do you mean? You're not going to be here to take her out on Halloween. You know, why, why did you let her down again? You know? Mm Yeah, that's one of those things. Because even like, I'll get to this at the very end. Though, so like, I'm surprised they haven't tried, especially in today's day and age where everybody has a streaming service. I'm surprised there isn't a Goosebumps like revival. I'm shocked that there's nobody like, considering it's like the last two Goosebumps movies, especially that last one, didn't make any money. I'm convinced that like, oh, somebody's got to be kicking the tires on this thing, being like, okay, how do we like update this for the modern age? And that's all it would be is that sort of just like. Oh God, themes and just yeah, things to be yeah. like, okay, that's the reason why the bullies are coming after her because yeah. they hate women because all men hate women. They need yeah. to contact me if they want to do Goosebumps <laughs> Survival because there's only two checkboxes. Worse actors, worse quality. Done. Same stories. Just make it, make it look worse and sound worse. It's what I need. Rob, like, do you have a camcorder that does VHS tapes? Do you have, Perfect. Do you, do you have the thing they filled the Blair Witch Project up? <laughs> you mean you mean a type of camera like that? No, no, the exact camera exact. left in the middle of the woods, like in West Virginia. Yes. The one that has like the one that's rusting out and moldy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's one thing I thought was interesting. And then too, even with the brother, because the brother would be lumped into the toxic masculinity too. Because I we'll have to play the audio clip here. Is I love when she's like going up to her room and the brother burst out her room with the duck costume quack 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 quack. i love that i love the sound he's making it's it's perfect The small, small touch. And then another small touch I just want to mention too is that like when she's like talking to herself, this is like after she's done crying, and then she like goes to ripping up the duck costume. And that's another aspect too of like the psychological thing. So she goes from like crying to like anger, like on a dime. Oh yeah. Like there's a very good chance that Carly Beth might eventually grow up to like murder people. Like, there's a very oh, real yeah. possibility. Yeah. She's the cult leader for Mandy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. She, I, I think in the in the Haunted Mask three, if it ever gets written or produced, it would definitely be Carly Bath on a bed going, "Bring me the Haunted Mask of Abraxas," <laughs> <laughs> and eating um, LSD, <laughs> <laughs> listening to the Carpenters. Mm-hmm. So we have that. Thing. I love how she goes from crying 
to anger to like, I'm going to go buy a mask. And then like before, I love this weird touch. As she continues to talk to herself, she starts to brush her hair. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I can't help but feel that that's part of the thing too, that she wants to like become scary, but she's still attached to like her human, like superficiality. Yeah. It, it kind of shows off that, you know, it doesn't show off anything really here, but it emphasizes the point later of when she becomes more of the mask. Yeah, and the fact that, again, the superficiality really is a component to her story. Definitely. So, yeah, I love that, too. Then we have to get back to the plaster of Paris mold over her head. <laughs> oh, God. Mom, Which, why I, did you make this? Why did I make a face mask of, like, a death mask of my daughter when she's 12? Because I love you, honey! And it's like, this is weird, right? No matter what family you're in, this is weird. Because that's the, okay... This is the part where I it makes sense on paper, but it doesn't make sense in the execution of the show. Yeah. In that it's like, oh, like you need to have a moment because I would imagine the book there's a moment where she carries around her like decapitated, like not decapitated, her head mask, right? Does that mm-hmm. happen in the book? Yeah, yeah, that happens in the book. Yep. Okay. And you need that because later on in the story you have the whole thing where it's like, oh, like her innocence is lost. She's she has the mask, the the haunted mask, then she has her head mask and she's carrying it around like essentially on a pike. Mm-hmm. I get that part. But the thing in the show that's really off-putting is that, like, they could have very easily been like, oh, the mother's like, oh, I was taking an arts and crafts class, and I was told to make something for Halloween. So I figured, oh, I'd make a mask of my daughter. That, you could have done something a lot more with that. The plaster of Paris is just, like, a little too specific and off-putting. Like, oh, and I get yeah. why they did because it, it is meant to be off-putting. I get it. It makes sense. It makes sense in that sort of just, like, context. Because they say, like, oh, the mother says, be careful, it's plaster of Paris, it's fragile. And then I'm like, oh, like there's going to be a point in this where she breaks it, and that's going to be her losing her identity or her former self. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. at one point when she's, like, going around the Halloween screaming at people, she drops it. And we very specifically hear a cracking sound. Oh, yeah. But then she, I'm like, and as I was watching this, I'm like, oh, there goes the mask. And then she picks it up and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, and I'm like, what's the point in saying what it's made of if it's not going to have any payoff later on in the story? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never, never gotten that. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I remember this. Th- that was one of the reasons I. We haven't gotten to the full reason why I didn't really enjoy this book or this story, but that was one of the things even in the book that didn't really make sense to me. Where it's just like they were shoehorning in this symbol of love to come up later on. Yeah, and that's that's another part too that really doesn't work. The more you analyze, it's like, oh, it's a symbol of love. And it's, I won't even. That's the weird thing, though, is that like I know it's a kid show. You need to have the love compassion element of it, though. But I think it's more of the I guess the idea, like, oh, it's a. And again, they're being concise because it's a children's show. I can't attack them too much for this, though. Mm-hmm. But it should have been a little bit more refined to maybe not love, but maybe it's like, in a, like a tie to your former self that's birthed from someone you love. And that, yes, that's a little wordy and a little too crude sounding. But that's what it should have been because the mask is a little too, oh, God, disturbing. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they should have. They should have. I get it. They want the mask to be disconcerting to kids. It's meant to be creepy, but not like menacing. But they should have made it just because again, think about any sort of mask of a person, especially one that we're seeing that's the focal point of the entire episode, is going to be off putting solely for just like the element of the uncanny valley. Mm. Any sort of replica of a human being is always going to have an uncanny valley aspect to it. Yeah, and that's why I think they should have maybe 
moved away a little bit more from that. Ah, interesting point. Yeah. And make it a little bit more. Again, you can still make it odd, but just not as because because you do need that weird sort of like balancing act where it has to be weird because it because it talks and moves a couple of points throughout this. Yeah, because it comes it becomes more of Carly Beth than Carly Beth is. Yes, of and th- Carly Beth. <laughs> yes, and that's why I'm surprised at the point where they have the mask talking and just like digitally like superimpose her head on top of it. I I totally like forgot about that. For some reason, usually when I watch, you know, as it, as I said last year, and I still do every October, I plow through all of Goosebumps. This is definitely Haunted Mask 1 and 2 or one of the episodes I'll put on later at night. And if I fall asleep during them, I still count them as watched. I like totally forgot about her Plaster of Paris head talking in that one scene. And I was actually like, oh, wow, that's an interesting layer. Yeah, that's, and I get it. It makes sense. But the thing, too, is that, like, again, there's a lot of this that, not that it doesn't connect, but a lot of it just being inserted to be creepy for the sake of being creepy is that earlier on the mask winks at her, or I'm sorry, the plaster of Paris head yes. winks at her. Yes. And that thing wink at me, and I think that's cool because the first time I was watching, I didn't even pick up on that. And then when you watch it a second time, you're like, oh, there it is. But it's like, oh, so like you're introducing a supernatural element of the story before like the meat of the story is even taking place. Yes. Okay. So it's like, oh, is, it, is this just a really like again? I don't know. And that's why maybe at the very end it would have made more sense if the mask had its own voice instead of Carly Beth. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they kind of like did a mix where it's like part her more, a little bit more also, demo- or more of the Carly Beth, Carly Beth, where they mix those two in together. And then at the very end with the brother putting on the mask, he maybe does, it's the same sort of mixing with the audio of the yeah. two voices. They, they do that. I, if I remember correctly, that is a point of the book because in the book, when she has the mask on, her voice isn't like, that shrill, creepy thing. It's actually like deep and very different. Mm-hmm. And then in the end of the book, the brother puts the mask on and he says like, how do I look in your mask? And it's supposed to be that same voice. So, mm-hmm. so they, they did, they, he, they tried to go for that in the book, which still okay. does not connect to the sequel in the book, which is stupid as hell. But that, that those are, there's like errands of that there. Okay. Cause yeah, I did my research for this. I did see it. They did a follow up with Catherine long. And I'm like, Oh man, to see more Carly Beth. I'm <laughs> yeah, I, she's. I think she's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah she is. I, I saw her and I'm like, oh, thank God, they got more Carly Beth. But it's a different mask, and it follows yeah. one of the bullies instead of her. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. But it's, but it's Sabrina's still there. But again, all that matters is that it's Carly Beth. Carly Beth. Yeah. So tune in next year when we do the haunted mask. We part have two. to. We have to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we're gonna keep it going. You know, we did. We had say cheese and say cheese and die and say cheese and die again to connect these two years. This is our guide into next year. We have another sequel. And probably next year we'll do Monster Blood Part 1. So the following year we could do Monster Blood Part 2. Rob I, Rob mispronounced that when he said Chilogy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's going to be the Goosebumps bonus episode. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Chilogy <laughs> episode, no. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, no, I absolutely love this. But the thing I picked up on first, before I got into any really the more like horror macabre elements of this, is that I'm watching it and like we're in like we're just barely out of the pumpkin patch aspect of the story. Okay. And I'm like, how many times have they said the name Carly Beth? You didn't get your pumpkin, Carly Beth. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, I have to keep track of this now. So I'm sitting there. And I'm keeping like track on my hands. You know, like I'm like, okay, like it's 40 minutes long. I'm like, okay, there's no way they say it like more than maybe like a half a dozen times. It's and just like, me, e- Carly Beth, Carly Beth, Carly Beth. 
Don't you don't have to impersonate because at this point we will have inserted that like fifty times at this point the supercut. That's gonna be another merman. It's gonna be Carly Beth along with Sergeant Candy. We're gonna have Carly Beth. 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 Carly Beth, Carly Beth, Carly Beth, you, Carly Beth, 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 Because like, and after the the pumpkin patch, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep track of how many times they say this. And to make a long story short, I got to like ten times, and I'm just like, I lost track. It's, I got it's excessive to say the least. <laughs> to the point where, as like yesterday, I was I had some free time. And I'm like, I have to bring up this aspect of the story. Or part of discussion. So I went back, rewatched the entire episode with Audacity recording it, and <laughs> took notes of, of timestamps of every single time Carly Beth's name is uttered. Rob, yeah, and you- and I, I guess I also have to say that uh, Zach then sent me a message. It was it was a text. No, it was a Facebook message. I think where he said, "Check Dropbox for possibly the greatest thing I've ever done." And yes. I had no, I had no clue what to expect. This was before I had watched uh, the Goosebumps episodes myself, because I, I put it off as long as I can because it's technically not Monstober as we're watching as we're recording this. Um, and then I listened to it. I threw it on when I was listening to some other music the people had sent me, and it starts. And I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> what's what's gonna happen? And then, if anybody remembers my supercut of Wonder Woman. It's that on steroids, but for Carly Beth. It's fantastic. Because it's sadly sad to say that I wasn't the first person with this idea. Somebody actually has a supercut of every single time Carly's best name is said, and it's on YouTube. It has like 80,000 views. Oh, oh, this makes me think of two. Remember when we played the clip of our, when we were talking about Harold Perrineau and Claws? I was like, 
he all he does in the second season of Lost is scream Walt, and there's like that two minute supercut of him just screaming Walt. Don't ever talk about my boy again. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I, this I was very, I was very disappointed because what you've heard, if not already, you've heard it by now. Is I did it. That's my own super cut, but somebody actually has the entire thing on YouTube. I'm like, nice. I did. Like, I, in a way, I'm kind of delighted that I'm not the only person. But at the same time, though, it's like, God damn, like seventy thousand plus times people watch that episode. And we're like, wow, they say Carly Beth a lot. Oh yeah, but it's glorious. So my version, I love my um, my remix with a. Uh, my name is. Oh, it really is fantastic. And I'm glad you picked up on some of like the stupidest repetitions of her name. Like what? She goes to see the shopkeeper and he's like, what is your name? Carly Beth? Mmm, Carly Beth. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why would you repeat excuse, that? <laughs> excuse me, Rob. It's Carly Beth. <laughs> Teeth chattering and everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Somewhere we have to, much like gymnastics girl from the Amanda Show, we have to find Catherine Long and be like, "Did you win something for this? Like, can we retroactively like nominate you for an Emmy?" I've I read on a few sites that she won a Gemini Award for her performance. Whatever the hell that is. Whatever it is, it's not a strong enough award. She deserves better. It's an award given by the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television. Fine, but it's not good enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. We got to get her. Her. We got to. Uh, I will extend an invitation right now. To Catherine Short and Catherine Long, we want you as a team to discuss this episode on our podcast. Yes. That's all it takes, right? Who do we? Oh, I guess we should say, who do we tweet? Who do we tweet? <laughs> R.L. Stein? I I looked at IMDb. Catherine Long hasn't done anything like God, like almost twenty years. But the last like credit she has is like two thousand two. Oh, so she's primed and ready for a podcast <laughs> and comeback. I did. That's on after the Jenny Nicholson disc. The next big thing we get is uh, Catherine Long is on the Cinemodies podcast. Remember the girl from the Goosebumps pilot? We got her. <laughs> oh, short and long. Get on here. We need you. All right, Rob. So if you want to guess how many times is Carly oh, Beth God. uttered throughout this ep- this, this two parter. Okay, I'm gonna go forty seven. Higher. It's it's really higher. Higher. Holy, holy shit. Not much higher, but it's higher. Sixty two? No. Fifty two times at least. Oh, and I and I might have missed one or two. That was two. a good price is right guess I had. That was close. <laughs> Because the point when all the unloved one masks start floating and start like oh. like chiming in, being like Carly Beth, you lose. Sometimes I couldn't tell they're just like muttering a chant or if they are saying her name. I know at least three or four times they say her name, but I think there's maybe one or two others in there that I couldn't really kind of yeah, pick out. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Stay with us, Carly Beth. Yes. So with that being said, this is like a forty-two minute long show. We want to name- run train on you, Carly <laughs> Beth. <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord yeah it's her name is literally said over one time once per minute oh my god that's awesome that's like this a great is a, metric <laughs> this is the time codes her name is said at the 12 second mark 15 second mark one minute and 10 second one minute 44th second like there's points where like i couldn't write it down fast enough <laughs> 
Like her name at one point is said like four or five times in the span of ten seconds. We need grant money to study <laughs> the velocity of Carly Beth. <laughs> now I guess that's my final question for this episode is why did they feel the need to say her name that many times? I don't know. I don't remember it being said that many times in the book. Like her name had no special importance in the book as it doesn't in this episode. It's just her name. It could have been Carly. It could have been Beth. Why does it have to be Carly Beth? Nobody knows. So, yeah, we just we just got to bask in the glory of it. <laughs> it's a Cinemondi's mystery. It's uh, yes, it's we haven't had one of those in a while. At least I don't think we've labeled one in a while as such. But it indeed is. We'll have to get short and long on here and ask him about it. I also want to. On top of short and long, I want the editor of this episode because he could have very easily taken out any of these. An editor can <laughs> think about because all you gotta do is take out some of the names. You don't need to have the entire audio. Like I would imagine, a lot of this was I don't want to say ADR'd, but probably something like that. We just cut that bit of the audio out. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. It's like you don't need it that many times. And never mind, like, imagine, like, you're editing this and you're, like, uh, giving it, like, uh, you're, you're te- not testing it, but, like, you're watching run-throughs of it. It's like, do we really need to say that name that many times? And someone with the cigar in the background is, like, throw it in two more times in that scene for good measure. <laughs> what's, what's that guy doing? Carly Beth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he's saying. It's like, who's that guy? He's in the background with the cigar. Carly Beth. Carly Beth. Yeah. <laughs> It's insane, this Carly Beth. <laughs> oh dear lord! But yeah, it's uh, it's delightful. This this was this was prime cut, like much like what we're gonna be talking about next week, which is going to be one of like if you thought it was bad this week, folks, next week's gonna be a tri- it's gonna be like a thrill ride. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yes, but this was this was delightful. Halloween Cinemati's content that I could not have asked for. If I thought the Jack Lanterns episode was good, this was stellar. Right on, right on. I'm glad. I'm glad you dig it. That's you know, like I said last year when you gave me sixty thousand hours of unsolved mysteries, I said it was all going to be worth it as long as I found one I loved, and I did. And I'm glad you have some goosebumps you love because that's what this, there's all there's always that corn in the crap, right? <laughs> and I'm here yeah. to help you sort through it. A year at a time. <laughs> this is like a piece of gold. It's like a gold nugget in the craft. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I had, a, like I said, I don't really care for this story. I did enjoy watching this more than I have in a long time, I think, you know, that we did it for this episode and I, for a lot of the reasons we've been discussing. But, you know, I think this is one of the ones where I'm with you, Zach. When you were saying before about Goosebumps, where it's always a bummer when there's just a twist for twist's sake. You know, it's just, whoa, something was different. Ha-ha, metanoia. And it's like, isn't that kooky? I, I'm with you. Sometimes that's bad. I would take a bad twist any day over love wins. Oh, dear Lord. I cannot. St- I couldn't stand this when I read this book as a kid. This is probably part of the reason I didn't like. I've grown to hate that trope so much. But that's all this is to me. Because what is it? There's no villain. It's just a mask. She puts a mask on and it makes her be menacing. But Rob, like, okay, the villain is her own insecurities. I I would be more into that <laughs> if she couldn't quickly cure her insecurities because she knows her mother loves her. But she doesn't know. That's the problem. Is that throughout the entire episode, whether it be through Sabrina, who kind of for the like we didn't talk about Sabrina, kind of like at one point, like like laughs with the bullies. 
And then True. even the whole yeah. thing, her brother picks on her. Her mother has this weird sort of like interpretation of her, this kind of like ugly, disfigured like version of her. <laughs> and that's what it is. Is that it's the fact that like, oh, these things that are imperfect aren't bad. They they define me, make me unique who they are, uh, make me who they are. And that's the whole point of this is that it's not just it's like any it's much like the Tales from the Dark Side pilot in that like oh there's a core message here but all the Halloween like goofy stuff or the Halloween set decoration and just the macabre stuff is just dressing for that overall message and I think that's why something like the pilot resonates so much more than like later episodes for people. Is that you? Uh, yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob is a sociopath. We should point that out. Rob's the wrong person to be commenting on this sort of thing. It's kind of like it's kind of like, like bringing a blind person to the art gallery. It's like they're not they're not really giving you the best perspective on what's going down. But I think that's, yeah, that, that's fair. I'm not denying that. You know, I, I have absolutely no empathy for actors in front of a camera. That's totally true. Well, yes, that too. But I think if you're in real life, remember this is the same person that was feeding cat cigarettes at one point. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I mean though. Like Rob's not the right person to be critiquing a story based on human emotions. Like I'm pretty sure at the end of Cinematis, how many years from now we're gonna realize that Rob's like the Barracuda guy and I rip his head off and it's like there's like little sparks and wires sticking out. That's the ultimate joke on me. Piranha person, yes. <laughs> yes, I, yes. Rob is the piranha person. That's what I mean though. I think that's what helps these things resonate. There's a reason why I would imagine that there's a supercut for Carly Beth and there's not a supercut for Shock Street. That 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 I will definitely agree with you on on a larger scale. Why this one? Because I mentioned at the beginning, whenever I say to uh, mention goosebumps to somebody, this is the one they'll always latch onto. This is the one everybody remembers. And I totally believe or and agree with you what you're saying. People remember this one because this one had the most heart, the most effort put into it, the most care put into it of any goosebumps episodes. So totally understandable. When you get down to the item of myself, then we get into the discrepancies, of oh, course. Yes. But but everything I hear I hear you completely, you know. There's a reason this one gets so much attention and it's it's definitely earned, you know. Like I said before, this is the one that's most close to the actual source material, to the book, and they do it fantastically. And like I said, I only wish they could have done that for more goosebumps. Yes, I. Uh, that's what I mean. If every goosebumps, this is why when I like like when I hear about things like goosebumps and again like tales from the dark side, are you uh, afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. The, there are those like handful of episodes which really do kind of like get to the core of what the show should be, and it's like everything in any sort of entertainment. There, they're great episodes. There's so-so episodes, and there's bad episodes. Yeah. and you do need those clunkers like Shock Street in order to really appreciate the good ones like The Haunted Mask. Especially as your season premieres, you know? <laughs> oh, well, th- that's its own thing, too. The, again, much like Tales from the Dark Side, the pilot really sets kind of like the mood for the yeah. rest of the series going forward, and unfortunately, the show just eventually devolves into just poor man's Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. How fast yeah. can we write these stories into screenplays? How quickly can we produce them? Yeah, the yeah. bummer. Yeah. And that's what I don't even think too. I think even though yes, uh, the haunted mask has a lot going on it. I think there are ways to emulate that same sort of just like the the air, the the themes, the mood. And that's a big part of it too. Is that like you watch the parts where it's trick or treating, and you firmly believe that much like the exact opposite of Shock Street, where you watch it, you're like, oh, this is very clearly like an amusement park like faux movie yeah. set. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Trick or Treating, that felt like October thirty first at seven thirty p.m. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that's not it's not that it's impossible to do, but I would imagine if you're a filmmaker and you're told, okay, which would be harder to do? 
find a real life movie set or a fake movie set and shoot something there and make it look like to what you have to make it look mm-hmm. like or just make a residential neighborhood feel like October 31st. Mm-hmm. And all that takes is a bunch of kids, just tell them, point them in different directions and just have a bunch of like leaves like rolling around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put yeah. some lights on, houses, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 as goofy as, it's funny, as goofy as that segment is of Carly Beth running around with her really like, like her witch's cackle voice with the mask in her head. And it's weird to even talk about her outfit. She has her overall or what her overall still with her <laughs> yeah. little striped red and white shirt. I mean, all she has is a cape in the mask. That's it. And yeah. I, I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, they couldn't give her like a real costume or anything. And the second time I'm rewatching it, I'm like, that's great because that's exactly what a kid would do. A kid yeah. would find a mask and just like find like a black cape laying around, like in a box of other like Halloween decorations at home. And that's what they do. It's not like over the top, like Barracuda Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, bravo. Bravo, Goosebumps. And much like <laughs> last year, I asked Rob this question. Rob, is there are there any other episodes of Goosebumps like The Haunted Mask? Well, I'm pretty sure I sent you The Girl Who Cried Monster last year. That, you well, had- that, was, that was on the, the Jack-O-Lanterns. Yes. And, the, and even though the Jack-O-Lanterns is very similar to this, which I kind of remember, it's funny, listening to the episode from last year, I'm like, oh, wait, it's the exact same premise. We have a character that's bullied, <laughs> and over the course of the night, they, they get their comeuppance on the bullies, and then there's like a, like a twist at the end. Well, there's more of a twist in Jack-O-Lanterns than there is in this. But at the end, it's like, oh, the good guys are really kind of like bad guys. And this is kind of, and this is the opposite where the bad guy, the, the novelty store clerk owner is actually not a bad guy. He's a good guy mm-hmm. or he's more a misunderstood guy. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the other one, it's like, Oh, here are our friends that moved out of town, but they're aliens and they're going to come back and murder us next year. Unless we play nice. And it's like, Oh, okay. I think, I think with that being said, you might really enjoy. And it was one of the episodes I was tempted to. It's another two parter. Um, since we didn't do it this year, we'll definitely do it next year. But it's one day at Horrorland when the family goes to an amusement oh, park. Oh, Horrorland, yeah. Yeah, and that one has a lot of great costumes, a lot of weird imagery, a lot of, um, you know, the uh, I think the similar depictions of things that we've discussed in the Haunted Mask episode. I think you'd like that one. Also, maybe the Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. That has some good imagery, and that's very kind of, you know, has the same feeling of, of maybe uh, atmosphere, I would say takes place in a very different setting, you know, not Halloween, more on a farm, but yeah, yeah, we'll have to see where we go next year. When we listen to, uh, when I have to listen to two Goosebumps episodes to prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know, I remember back in high school when you were introducing me to all this, there was the episode with the werewolf where I could, that's a two-parter one, right? Oh, yeah, I think it's Welcome to Fever Swamp, yeah. Yeah, and where, like, the first, like, episode ends with the kid, like, looking out the window and has, like, the bars on the window and the werewolf tries to get in. Yep. And the thing I love, I've always loved about that is I love that it's, like, 100% well, it's, like, it's, like, fluorescent light lit, so you see everything on the mask, it looks so real. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not the mask looks real, but I mean, like, it looks like it's like a werewolf creature is trying to get in through a window, and the only thing that's stopping him is the bars. I've always loved that. Like, I remember even watching that back, like, God, 11 years ago now. And <laughs> I can still remember that because it was, it was really like, it was a very vivid thing where it's like, oh, God, it's like, it feels like a real bedroom because the lighting feels like the same sort of lighting that, like, a teenage, well, however the kid was, a, a boy yeah. would have in his room, and the, and the werewolf's trying to get in there. And then, like, oh, wait, that's like a 10 second moment out of like a 40 minute long, like, story. And that's the only moment, like, in the entire story <laughs> yeah the rest of it's just like a girl like walking around like an abandoned house and it's like oh 
Oh. Yep, yeah, that's not one of the better ones. <laughs> but I do like that moment. That moment is great, though. Great moment, otherwise mediocre episode. Right on. Right Except on. for Trilogy. Oh, God. That's all terrible. I watched that once. I remember I, remember, I remember watching it once and just remembering the name. Because I found it, it's fun to say, Trilogy. Oh, yeah, true. That I think we mentioned it last year, but that's the um, one of the... I think or two. there's a three-parter, and like two out of the three parts are basically like... If you're greedy, you're just as evil as someone who enjoys baseball. <laughs> like, the message is very strange. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's like, because so, someone, like, like, a brother wants to borrow money from the sister, and the sister's like, I'm going to charge you interest. And the brother's like, that's not right. Capitalism is bad, because this isn't based off a Goosebumps book, so what do we write other than capitalism is bad? And then the kid goes on and we focus on him and he likes baseball and someone's like, baseball's stupid, you're evil. And they equate them throughout two like episodes. It's nonsense. It's terrible. <laughs> Madness. Absolutely. I don't even remember what the third part. I think they like have to get out of the because they it, it's also a mix of like Beetlejuice. I think they're in a miniature, you know, like Beetlejuice lives oh, in the miniature train set. Yeah. I think it's like they get transported into a miniature and they have to find some way to escape, and that's what the third part's about. And mm-hmm. one girl has to realize that she has to like do charity to escape and the other person has to give up baseball i guess <laughs> all right call back to wonder shows and rob just said do charity do charity i'm gonna give it a charity all night long <laughs> charity your mouth is like velvet <laughs> if, oh, we have to insert great. that clip right oh definitely Oh boy, I can't wait to cash in our pirate treasure. When are you going to do with your kind of the money? I'm going to give all my money to charity. Oh, charity, take it. Take the whole thing. It's a write-off. I'm going to give it to charity hard and fast all night long. Damn, you were tearing them victims up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Wonder Shows and No, there should be a Wonder Shows and Halloween special. How much we have to how much grant money do we need? How much money from Mark Cuban do we need to go get Vernon Chapman to go do a Wonder Shows and Halloween like special? I think I don't know if the money is the aspect. I think we might need to like run a, a misery type plot and capture <laughs> Vernon Chapman and John Lee and hobble them until they make a Halloween special for us. I know that's the thing I see like on Twitter every once and again. Someone's like, "Oh, like you, like you can like make make one product, like media project come to fruition. What would it be?" <laughs> I want Wonder Halloween special Wonder Shows and <laughs> slaves. They restarted Wonder Shows and slaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, Rob. With that being said, anything else, or we do do we delve into our questions? I think um, uh, Carly Beth is ready to Carly Beth some Carly Beth questions, right? Carly Beth? Carly, Carly Beth? Carly Beth? It's me, Carly Beth. Carly Beth! Mmm, <laughs> Carly Beth. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, Rob. I know we have to make it. We're actually going to have to, for this discussion, we are going to have to retroactively alter a previous Cinemati in late night movie ranking. Because in the Goosebumps discussion, we judged it. On the metric of all of Goosebumps. Yes, we did. And I'm now we're going to have to up. go back and uh, for our two-year anniversary, we'll have to amend this. So take note in the spreadsheet, Rob, when you're hearing this. Okay. Again. 
is that we're going to have to alter that in the two-year anniversary episode. But for this episode, we're going to have to judge it based on our comments. We're going to be doing another Goosebumps episode next year. Oh, yeah. So we're going to judge the Cinemati and late-night movie status just on these episodes and not the show at large. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, I thought the same thing when I listened to our episode from last year. But even though I feel I'm in agreement with you, I think my answers to this year don't change. I'm still going to go yes for late night in the month of October. I'm still sticking with that. I, I think that uh, harkens back to your sentiment. You know, there's no point of watching some of this stuff, scary stuff in like April or anything like that. So I definitely want it grounded in the month of October. But I'm still going to have to say no to Cinemodities. Uh, this is still just goosebumps to me. <laughs> Nothing really is out there. I know you have your haunted mask ideals now that I've shown that to you. Oh yeah. But this is still this is still just good old nostalgia driven tradition for me, and nothing's really odd. It's still just kids programming. So I'm gonna go no to cinemodities. Yes, in the month of October to late night, and I will uh, hand it over to Zach for. Uh, maybe a what a diatribe on why haunted oh, yeah. mask is a oh, cinematity. Yeah. Oh, haunted mask is like beyond. Like it is, it's a gem. The fact that like I've rewatched it twice. Like I want it on record that when Rob gives me something to watch, it's like oh no, and it's very much like I can grit my teeth and like have to sit there like put the strap of leather in between my teeth to kind of. Yeah, it's usually like, it's what usually picture in picture with Death Wish, right? <laughs> no, that's only for Aristocats. Oh, okay, only only that specific. Only that. No, that, that that's that's the antidote to Aristocats. Like someone's like I had to watch the Aristocats the other day. It's like did you have your copy of death wish on hand <laughs> you got your your uh, blu-ray changer <laughs> <laughs> exactly um no uh haunted mask is nothing short of a masterpiece it is it's it's perfect in every sense of the word beyond just a cinemati and a late night movie um again like i said for most rob cinemati or uh, things i have to watch rob's choices which i hope he enjoys because he's not allowed to pick a movie for a while after the this because i want to record that i'm judging this only on the haunted mask the other two and i want it in the spreadsheet i want to flush them down the toilet <laughs> that's what i want to do both of them because they're like shock street is horrible the the not ryan gosling is fun for what it's worth but it's also not very good but yeah they get flushed down the toilet but no haunted mask is like it's perfect absolute cinemati because it actually elevates children's tv show entertainment it's the sort of entertainment and filmmaking that everything should be trying to do whether it be just like even we were talking uh before the recording about the the new twilight zone um i would imagine that not a single episode of the new twilight zone is even half as good as the haunted mask is and yeah i think it's just it sets a new bar for entertainment in the sense of like oh it's trying to appeal to kids and appeal to an adult in the process yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really a definition of all ages entertainment, and that's extremely rare to come by these days, especially in the age of like Disney where everything's designed for everyone. And in the interim, somehow it appeals to nobody in general. And uh, but yeah, absolutely again, late night movie, like Rob said, I agree. You have to kind of keep this to like Monstober. And I want it on the record that Monstober now, I'm changing the goalpost on Monstober. Monstober uh -huh. is from like like the last week of July to like the first week of November. That is Monstober now. Monstober is no longer October. Because I remember I saw something because I oh God. Disney at the theme parks has their like version of like their their counter programming version of what Universal's uh Halloween Horror Nights. Oh okay. except they call it Mickey's not so scary Halloween. 
And it, <laughs> that, that is the only correct response to have to somebody telling you that for the first time. Yeah, that does not sound appealing in the slightest. Uh, again, it's meant for like kids, like ages, like probably like two to seven. So, like, I don't, I don't blame them. <laughs> again, correct response. So, but the weird thing is that like Disney kept moving the dates on that further and further out to the point where they actually the first like Mickey's not so scary thing is like August like six. I'm not making that up. Oh, okay. Not making it up at all. So the rate it's going, because I saw it even on Twitter, someone's like, you people gotta cut it out with this, like, this is Halloween, and it's like July 31st at midnight. <laughs> so with that being said, Monstober can range. I'm not saying you start celebrating it that early, but I've also realized, too, when it comes to, like, the department, well, uh-huh. department stores, like your Walmarts, your Targets, your, like, Michaels, your, like, different stores that have, like, festive, like, aisles. Yeah. By, like, the end of September... All the Halloween stuff is gone, and it's Christmas. Mm. If you want Halloween decorations in the month of October, you are out of luck. Yeah. there's the, I remember once looking for Halloween decorations, like, like October 15th, and I couldn't find any of it. And if I did, it was like all on clearance for like 90% marked off. And all and they have the is bad stuff, yeah. Oh, it's stuff that nobody wants. It's like, the, it's like hundreds of like pumpkin carving kits. <laughs> And it's like that's why I've realized like if you want to celebrate Halloween now and actually get like other people like actually get in the vibe of it, you have to start celebrating it in like July. Okay. Okay. And I want on record that there's a very real possibility that like Monstober next year, because Rob knows that I've been talking about this for a while, that I want to do the origins of the slasher genre. And yep. every single time Rob asked me, like, well, how many episodes would that entail? The number just keeps increasing. Yep. To the point where it was like, Rob, I think I've narrowed it down. He's like, okay, how many episodes is it? And I'm like, 36. And he's like, Zach, that's like three quarters of a year. And I'm like, no, 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 I can narrow it down to maybe 30 if I really focus. I think this is why Zach um, so quickly in air quotes, quickly acquiesced to my sketch comedy series because he was like, I need to cut it off at two months. (laughs) He's like, if I put it off any longer, Rob's going to argue for three months and we're not having that. (laughs) That's the thing, though. I want to have like the sketch comedy for year, but I know at that point I've set a very dangerous precedent because then Rob's going to be like, Zach, there's like 18 seasons of Mad TV. (laughs) I think that's when this is this podcast will splinter and it's going to be like late movies with Rob and night <laughs> movies with Zach. And we're going to release episodes separately every week. And one's going to be about sketch comedy. One's going to be about slasher movies. Yes. And eventually it. after a year, we'll come back together and be like, it's been a while, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get, uh, I get every other third, I get every other Monday with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to court. We're splitting custody of our podcasts. Like it's a child. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. So that's yes, Cinemati 100%. Actually, I'd say elevate Cinemati to a whole other level because it does it does ba- it does the perfect again, like the hairline crevice of just it's so campy, but it doesn't go over that point. Sure, sure. I would rank this up there with like the Evil Dead 2 in the sense of like it's perfect campiness. Nice. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. See, there's good goosebumps, Zach. They're going to like go- it a little more there- every year. There's a good goosebump. There's a goosebump. <laughs> goosebump. One, one and a half goosebumps because you liked the jack o' lantern. I did like that. I, I enjoyed that, 
but nowhere near as much as I enjoyed this. Okay, it's getting better. Next year, you're going to be a full on the Goosebumps bandwagon. <laughs> I don't know. That Carly Beth thing, man. That Carly. And I think the part of it, too, is the Carly Beth thing is like that weird sort of just like real world like question mark like what's that meme of the guy like is it the black guy with his head tilted has like the question marks above his head oh that's, yeah that's what this that's what the carly beth thing is is because it's that perfect little just like garnish <laughs> it's that like perfect like little emerald bam it's that little flourish it's like yep why is this here like this, this is <laughs> it's true though why do you need to say her name over 50 times yeah I, there's I'm no explanation for that <laughs> Unless there's somebody, the editor had some weird sick fetish for saying a child's name. Yeah, who who knows? We have to get her on long and short. We need the answers. We need the answers long with the editor. And R.L. Stein. We'll invite everybody on. Yep, and they're all going to be like, we don't remember doing this at all. <laughs> <laughs> that part of our brain has been degraded for years. And <sighs> like two of them are going to be like, from drugs. And the other two are going to be like, surgically. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, snack rob. Oh, we have right. a whole okay. other monster over for the Cinemati's restaurant. Ooh, I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna take one because I know I think Zach is gonna gonna uh, pitch something related to it, but I know he's not gonna go in the same way that I am. And it is related to the worm that Carly Beth eats in her sandwich. Um, so something that we did not get to discuss during the sketch comedy fort month was Kroll Show, and I don't know if Zach knows this because it did. I think it got some. Uh, viral video status on the internet. There was a sketch in Kroll's show where Nick Kroll and John Mulaney would dress up as two old people, like old, very stereotypical Jewish people. And they basically had a local access channel TV show where they would sit at a diner and they'd have a guest and they would talk about nothing with the guest. And very quickly, because it's sketch comedy, a waiter would bring a plate to the table and the plate would have a sandwich on it with, like, a huge mound of tuna. Like, enough tuna to cover the bottom slice of bread. And so much tuna that, like, the top slice of bread was comically small. And the gist of this sketch was that they would always, like, bring this to the table. And the two old Jewish dudes would be like, why would you order that? That's way too much tuna. You look like a fool. And, they, and like, the joke is that they think it's their version of a prank show. And the guests never understand what's going on, like why they were served too much tuna. You must have seen our ad yes. looking for a nanny. Yes. Flown here for the uh, jab interview. You've got three boys, you're looking for a nanny. Uh-huh. And I'm a nanny, and here I am. Yeah, we remember. And, uh, so I just... Little did yes. you know that you would be pranked with too much tuna. So tell us about yourself. Um, well, I've been working for 10 years. Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> what is this? What did you order? What has been placed in What did you do? Oh. I'm sorry, I don't... You've been pranked. Look at that. Yeah. Now, wouldn't you say that that is... So are they... They're not coming, the children. Who? Oh. The kids. What kids? Oh, the fake ad. No, there's no kids. No kids. Nope. There's one baby here. That guy right there. I don't even like tuna, and you made me fly all the way over here from London. Why didn't you take the boat? Yeah, I thought you were going to take a liner. So there's no job, and there's no children, and... May I ask you a question, and I don't, I don't mean to be rude. Do you have f***ing memento disease? 
Because every two minutes, is there a job? Is there kids? There's no kids, there's no job. There's too much tuna. You're on a prank show. Right. Would you sign a release? So now that the stage has been set, Zach, too much uh, worms. I want two pieces of bread with literally like hundreds of worms on a plate. And oh I boy. want it I want it to be the same thing where like someone will order, we'll call it something else on the menu. Like maybe it'll have like a more accessible name, but then the waiter will bring out this plate of just a worm sandwich and make fun of the customer. It'd be like, why would you order so many worms? Why would you want to eat nothing but worms? And then I want them to go a step further, and I want our wait staff to, like, goad the customer. Be like, you ordered it. Eat the worms. Eat the worms, Carly Beth. And I really, because, you know, in, in the episode of The Haunted Mask, they put the worm in the sandwich, and then they, like, walk two feet away and put their their like hands on their their chin like they're oh oh we can't wait to see what's gonna happen and I really want to push that to the extreme in our restaurant. <laughs> so what do you think? Too too much, too much worms. I think grammatically it should be too many worms. But since too much tuna, too much worms, that's what we're going with. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's perfect, Rob. It features a disgusting food item and voyeurism, two classic cinematic <laughs> restaurant tropes. The hallmarks, yes. Those um. You know, like some delis on the glass panes, it'll say like, you know, fresh meats, fresh cheeses, artisan wines or something like that. Like those are the words that you just said on the outside of the um, <laughs> the Cinemodities restaurant. Disgusting foods. Voyeurism. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely wanted that. Too much worms. I think a giant worm sandwich would be great. Real worms, live worms, still squirming around. But the other snack I had to pitch... We didn't mention it, but it was from our Say Cheese and Die Again episode. The night that Greg, not Ryan Gosling, goes to get the camera uh, from the abandoned warehouse, which has been destroyed, he comes back home, and apparently he's come back home too late. And his mother is like, Greg, where have you been? You missed dinner, but dinner's in the fridge. And he's like, I'm not hungry, Mom. And in this whole scene, the mother is standing in like the doorway talking to Greg as he's trying to go upstairs with the camera, and she's just holding a plate with a piece of cake on it. She doesn't eat any of it. She's just holding it. And as this scene goes on, Greg's brother starts to come down the stairs, and he's like, get out of the way, squirt. I'm late for work. And the mother goes, you were late for work yesterday, you son of a bitch. What's wrong with you? Still holding this piece of cake. At this point, there's the mother and two sons. The mother's screaming at the sons as they're on the stairway, She's just standing there, I don't know, being a bitch. Because who? what time is it that the guy's going to work at a photo store after dinner? How is yeah. he late? But the piece de resistance, Greg goes upstairs, the brother leaves for work. We get one shot of the mother. Finally, she eats her piece of cake and shrugs her shoulders like, whatever. And the scene ends. So here's my pitch, Zach. It is a piece of disappointed child cake. And it's a piece of cake that you order at the end of the night because the children you brought to the restaurant were so misbehaved, you just need to shrug it off and go, fuck it, with a good piece of cake. So it's something for the parents of the Cinemodities restaurant. What do you think? 
<laughs> I only had two snacks this episode, but I put a lot of thought into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a small hand, but a lot of, a lot of emphasis put on it. Yes. Yeah, so, so this is something for the parents to just brush it off. And I don't know, maybe you get like a shot of tequila with it to really <sighs> say fuck it at the end of the night, you know? Right before you have to drive home. We don't oh, condone perfect. that. Or condemn it at the Cinemopolis restaurant. Because as you as the waiver says, once you leave those doors, we are no liability. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Did that scene stand out to you? How she was just holding cake and doing nothing with it for like three minutes? I That was the third episode, right? And that's Yeah, in Chronicle, in which you watched, but the first one we discussed today. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um... Yeah, that, at that point I was checked out. Like at that point I was kind of like, you kinda, like, and you already had your P. You started off high and it was all downhill after there. Shock Street ruined it all. Okay. Uh, I'm imagining you started say cheese and die again, and as soon as you saw it wasn't Ryan Gosling, you were like, okay, crossword puzzle time. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as I realized, because I know you, I know that was coming that episode, and I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm like I see, like, oh, it's off-brand Ryan Gosling. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, done. I was hoping yep. to see Spider, but I'm very disappointed he didn't show up. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carly what snacks did you say cheese carly ben <laughs> what did you have mr snack master all right um i think i'm gonna change my name from snack master to like ornamentation master because i want to decorate the restaurant with like the unlucky ones i'm sorry the unloved ones oh sure i also want the exact prop of carly Beth's head i want that Oh, the plaster of Paris. Mold? Yes, I want. That. I want. I want much like the Chauncey puppet and the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune. I want that. Okay, the I want original. the real one. The the unloved ones can be reproductions. I think they actually do make. I think you can buy the. I know you can buy the mask that she wears. Ooh, right on. Uh, but uh, I want those. And but I want them kind of like the equivalent of what Disney has at the Haunted Mansion with the bus singing. I want the unlucky ones. <laughs> I'm, I keep saying unlucky ones. The the unloved ones. And I want them doing like barbershop quartetting. Oh, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like an acapella quartet yep. thing where we are unloved. <laughs> but I want more acapella though too, because I want they can also do they can do the backups for the Vox Lux animatronic. Oh, definitely, absolutely, yeah, that could. Yeah, yeah, that would be that sounds awesome because there's what there's like eight or nine of them. Yeah. So yeah, we could get a good uh, a good group harmony on there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you retarded? <laughs> you got that look in your eye when the world just happens to you. <laughs> EKG. <laughs> and then after that, I figured we had. I don't know if we had this yet. The Cinematis restaurant. We probably do. But we have to have some sort of like, uh, oh god, oh god, there's a word for it. I can't think of what it is right now. But kind of like like a haunted mansion attraction. There's a name for that. D- dark ride, yeah, dark ride. Oh it's sure. The, it's the dune buggy from Shock Street, and it gets. To, we only build it to the part where it takes you in. You're given blasters, and you're told, <laughs> "Oh, don't get out of the ride vehicle." But if anything happens, you have your blaster. And the cart gets there, and it says the ride has broken down, and you just sit there. Until eventually you just get out and leave. And that blaring alarm plays where don't exit the tram. (laughs) Yep. It just sits there. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I would, I hope that as these are being built, you know, we interweave them with maybe one of the courses for the uh, Terminator laser tag. So that the people running around in the machine war 
are just like jumping over this cart that people can't leave and they don't have anything to do with the laser tag. And they're like, what's going on? And it'd be like, they're just getting shot at with laser guns and their laser guns don't come like, aren't compatible with the Terminator laser guns or something. Like it's, well, it's true. You are removed from every other aspect of the ref- restaurant. You're just sitting there waiting <laughs> to make it even more like the haunted mansion. We'll have like, what is it called? A pepper ghost effect where you help. There'll be like mirrors place. So like, you'll see the battle going on like in front of you, but you can't interact with it at all. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it'll switch from the laser tag to the animatronics to people actually eating food. And it's like, you can't do any of this. It's, here. it's voyeurism again. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent voyeurism. That's, Right on our front door. If you're not being watched and being made uncomfortable without your permission, you are not at the Cinematis <laughs> restaurant. Perfect. That's just like the motto in general. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not at the Cinematis restaurant. Indeed. Indeed. Our, if you don't uh, have intestinal bleeding, you are not at the Cinematis <laughs> restaurant. In, intestinal bleeding anywhere from tonight to three years from now. <laughs> we guarantee it. <laughs> Ah, boy. All right, Rob, anything on the snacks, or is that it? No, that was all I had, if that's all you had. I guess uh, the question is, Zach being the keeper of Monstober, and of course it's become a a continuously running fact, not even a running joke, that Monstober changes every time Zach uh, blinks and breathes. Do you want to give any indication about what might come next week, or are we actually certain? Because I think you highlighted it earlier. Well, yes, we know for certain. Folks, this is the first time in cinema, well... In the two, the, the long year and a half of Cinematis, where I actually do have the, at least the next three discussions locked down. Topic. Let's wise. let's not get that crazy. Let's just yeah, take you're right. You're, yeah, time. you're right. You're right. It's a very real possibility. <laughs> I change it again. Um, but yes, the very next one is a hundred percent certain, and we will play a musical cue as a hint. No one's going to get it. No one is going to I get know, it. No, no one's to. seen this movie, right? No, except us. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm pretty sure, right? I I think when I said something to you about it, both of us were like, did that exist or was it a fever dream when we were in high school together? Like, did we play so much Halo and Guitar Hero that we just tripped out and envisioned this movie? But it exists, apparently. If only there is enough Guitar Hero and Halo to consume <laughs> to get you to this point. <laughs> The audience should be well aware. I'm going to be doing some screaming next week. Oh, it's going to be glorious. <laughs> Folks, if you thought my enthusiasm for this week's discussion was great, wait until next week. We have truly a gem. And, ah! and, the best... ah! <laughs> and that's not even the best part of the whole movie. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I think I, I haven't rewatched this since the last time we watched it. So I'm pumped to shit for this. I've, I'm... I've encountered it a few times in the sense of like the audio is on my computer, which is a really <laughs> weird thing to say. Um, I think you sent me like uh, the theme song or something. When we started Cinemodities, you were like, this could be some sound effect we use. <laughs> yes, that was that was the proposed. Ori- okay. 
Oh, I don't want to get it. Okay, we'll save it for next week. You've already heard the musical cue, but yes, there's going to be a bunch of stories about next week's episode. It's, yeah. Next week's episode is one of those ones where like, I wasn't even thinking about it. Rob's the one who suggested it, and it was just like, oh, it's perfect. It is. It's it's up there with like an eraser head level discussion or something of that sort where it's like, okay, this is going like, – if we don't do this one – it's like real scary stories. If I don't do this justice, I'm going to be insanely disappointed with myself. And no matter how much I prep, after we record a four-hour-long discussion, I'll be like, ah, how did I forget about that part? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm jacked. I am jacked up. But – We'll get to that next week. So, Rob, I think we both can agree, even though as much as we both enjoy the Goosebumps theme song, we might have to make a slight adjustment for this week or for this specific instance in Goosebumps history. We'll see how it goes. As long as I get to play some Carly Beth in reverse, right? Something like that. I gotta get some of it because I'm sure it exists in forward, you know, here. Oh, it does. Um, so, yep, I, I guess uh, this is the also a quick plug I want to put. This is possibly the last week it's worth mentioning fan vember right uh yeah well yeah yeah for the most part no, okay it, it depends yeah it depends on how fast we record things yeah yeah so uh remember month of november throw your suggestions to us everybody gets one we'll uh take and review them uh we'll vote for them in the least democratic way possible zach and i'll probably argue about them but uh yeah we'll see how it goes yes fan vember and Not until then, Car- and until then, I'm Carly Beth, joined as always by Carly Beth. And until next week, I'm Carly Beth. Carly Beth, but not Carly Beth. Carly Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I am become Carly Beth. <laughs> Carly Beth, 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 Car